are on episode number 83. Today we have Tom Zenner on and Gerard. And at this point, if, if Tom and Gerard go at the pace they're going, they're probably going to disappear in about 250 days. Because it looks like every time I see them, they lose a pound a day. They're looking better and better. <laughs> wow, right, thanks. But, uh, Gerard, you uh, look great, man. Thanks, Serious. bro. Appreciate yeah. it. So this morning, I'm training with my guy. And uh, 45 minutes into it, he's video recording all this. I'm doing all this stuff with him. At 45 minutes, he's like, how you feeling? I said, I'm, 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 I'm about to throw up. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. He says, you want to stop? I said, no, let's go. And we start going back and forth. It was one of the best trainings I had in a long time. Had a really good time. That was this morning? That was Knocked this morning. Knocked it out already? Yeah, 6 a.m. was fantastic. Yeah. And yesterday, uh, shout out to Aaron Singerman. We had a workout at Redcon Gym. By the way, what a, I mean, that gym is... Have you been to it? Oh my God, it's incredible! It's like a, it's a great gym. I mean, it's fantastic. Brilliant gym. lighting. You never want to go to any other yeah, gym. You just want to be seen it's in those great. lights. Yeah. And they're they're doing a bunch of different things to it. But it was a good leg workout we did yesterday, and then today we're gonna do yeah. a podcast workout. You know what you would enjoy? This Tell is me. so much fun. Orange Theory workout wearing a mask, which is what you have to do in California. To wear a mask when you work out. Orange Can you imagine Theory an workout or- wearing a that's mask? A, that's a one hour, very intense. You know, cardio, weightlifting, a one-hour workout, and you have to wear a mask. My buddy today, one of our uh, uh, counsels, co-founders, John Mason, he, he goes to the dentist yesterday. The dentist says, do you have a mask? He says, what the... <laughs> you are gonna work on my Hello? teeth? How are you gonna work? On, did you see the rules and the guidelines they just announced in UK saying you even at bars when you drink alcohol? Did yeah. you see that or no? Yeah, yeah. Even at bars when you drink alcohol, you have to have a mask on. Yeah, they're just gonna keep pushing until we refuse. <laughs> but the, the dumbest I've heard yet, at that point. The dumbest I've heard yet is yeah. in Jersey at a wrestling tournament. They wouldn't let the kids shake hands before or after the match because of stop guidelines. It. Stop it. They're wrestling each other. Oh my other. God! Stop. You can go on but and on and on. But you're not allowed right? to shake yeah. hands before yeah. or after the match. Yeah, and they've started the whole thing in New York City where you have to prove if you're going to a restaurant yeah, that yeah. you've been vaccinated, and that's just going to shut down oh, more. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, I love it. The Little League Dash plays Little League yeah. in the summer. You know, you, you you're sliding into guys. You know, it's intense. You're yeah. playing a game for seven innings, and then at the end of the game, you can't shake their hands. You got to wave from the opposite <laughs> dugout. Good game in L.A. Yeah. How's, how's yeah. recall going? I, I saw. Uh, uh, what's his name? Meet Kevin wasn't yeah. uh, Stephen Colbert talked about him yesterday. He's catching yeah, momentum. Yeah, I'll by tell the way. you what. You know the, the mainstream media doesn't give anybody any any yeah. love whatsoever. You would think Larry Elder. You know what a great story if you think about him. Yeah. Born and raised in Compton, a self-made man, yep. African American, yep. millionaire, pr- just smart, achieved uh, so much in his life, built a business. Uh, he gets nothing. So. You're going to have to do it all on your own, but I just think I think he's going to get recalled. I, I'm I'm going about 52 percent to 48 right now that it's going to happen. I just do you think, have the ballots? Yeah, I brought it with me. Here's the sample ballot right here. Me, me, Kevin is on here. Kevin, you know he's really you know picking up some momentum. CNBC did a big story on him over the weekend. I saw that yeah. great story. I sent it to him. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, let me see. So where do I go for the ballot? It's just like right on. right when you get in there. It's, oh really? It's two options: yes or no. So and listen, then, I'm mainly looking for the Zenner last name. Is what I'm. <laughs> That's the right inbox. Shonda, no, Shonda's yeah, is I, what well, I'm looking for. Well, she's, she's satisfied being dictator of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, so what do I look at here? here so, so Could they have made this more complicated? <laughs> so <laughs> which is the candidates we're going? Okay, right here? Yeah, so okay. yes or no, so, and then it's all the candidates. So what you're looking at is the main names are at the top, right? So candidates to succeed Governor Newsom uh, as governor, if he is recalled, vote for one. Michael Loeb's. Party reference, none. University lecturer is who he is. Dennis, uh, Denise Lucy, teacher. Diego Martinez, 
and he got a bunch of different names. Well, he's not on that list. Right. What's this list? That's this is, it's continued. It's so that's everybody. How many people you got? And you on go this? to second page. So Larry Elder, then it's Meet Kevin, uh, and then John Cox is below Elder because most of the, a person's not going to go. So how do they do it when it just shows Democrat or Republican? Because that's how a lot of people would vote. I think so, too. Most of them are Republican. There's only a few Democrats. I Meet mean, Kevin is maybe one of two Democrats. Holly's one of them who's yeah. running as a Democrat. Jacqueline McGowan yeah. is running as a Democrat. John Drake. Jeff Hewitt running as a Libertarian, Riverside County Supervisor. By the way, I interviewed yesterday uh, uh, a doctor. Uh, what's his last name, Kai? Dr. Bear? Is it Bear? Yeah, Asatar Bear. Asatar Bear who's a full-blown communist professor at Riverside Community College. <laughs> oh, so weird for who's, a professor to be a communist. You never I see asked, that. I asked him, by the way, David, did we get along or did we get along? Great. You guys got along. What was the connection <laughs> like? Long-time friend. Uh, <laughs> at the end, he says, look, I want to take you out to dinner. And when we go out to dinner, I want to pay for it. I'm like, you don't want to pay for it. You're coming. You want me to pay for it? But I asked him a question. It was a very interesting question. You'd be blown away by his answer. He thinks... Mao and he thinks Stalin are two of the greatest leaders of all time. Oh, okay? So I asked him a question. I said, let me ask you this. I said, say a 22-year-old kid is watching this interview and me and you are talking. Yeah. I'm a capitalist. You're a communist. He says, yes. I said, this 22-year-old kid has to choose. He's very ambitious, very driven, extremely motivated. He has a choice. What's better to society and the world? Yeah. He chooses to be the next Jeff Bezos where in the next 20 years, he creates 1.3 million jobs for America. Or he chooses to be a revolutionary leader like Stalin. Who's better for society? He said, it's not even close. It's Stalin. Oh, I'm my like, God. What? what? 50 million people dead? I mean, that's collateral damage, He's, I guess. Hey, what did he say when I said that? He says, but that's part of the sacrifice. That's part, of, that's, one of the, that's part of the sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, I'm and all 50 million didn't make I'm that choice. I'm telling you, this was one of the most interesting interviews. Wow. I can't wait for this thing to come out. Audience has to see it. It was... But the part that you respect about it, it was purely shameless. Huh. Like he wasn't a commie that's like, yeah. but no, it's noble and this. You know what's it's so just, funny? I, I, I can see the two of you guys going out to dinner. He's like, no, no, yeah. no, Pat, I've got this. I've got this. And then going <laughs> no, you, table to table, <laughs> going like, I need $10 from you. I need Pat, $10 from the, you. The sad oh, thing is, though, you, you, can, you can realize what it is. It's folly. The guy's crazy. But think about the influence he has on 30 people a day when he's throwing that message out there to his oh, students. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Vulnerable yeah, I mean, kids at the age I, of 18, 19. That's the point. An 18-year-old would Good fall Lord. for it. Yeah. Totally. An 18-year-old would fall for it. Everybody's you know, a commie until they start paying taxes. Yeah, it, 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 that's right. And, anyways, it was very interesting. By the way, Caitlyn Jenner is also on the list, but yes, they have her all. They have him all the way at the bottom, yeah, right? All the way at the bottom. So, what do you think is going to end up happening here? By the way, do you kind of have an idea? Or you kind of because it's probably on the news yeah. every day in California. Yes and no. Um, it's such propaganda. I mean, the L.A. Times is fully behind Gavin Newsom. They're making okay. you feel like you're stupid if you don't even think anything else. All you know. So Reed Hastings kicked in three million dollars, right? To him. We to, know, but that was like three months. Yeah, ago. but yeah. right now you're seeing that money in action because it's all used on radio ads, radio and television Interesting. ads. Interesting. Yeah. So every at the tag of every these every one of these commercials paid for by Reed Hastings by his donation. So it's a constant. I mean, you listen to the Dodgers game. You listen to any 
anything, pop radio, boom, you're getting those commercials all the time. And it's basically shaming you into even think that you would vote yes on the recall. It's saying it's all driven by right-wing nut jobs and Which and, is not, by the way. It's not at all. Yeah. Anti-vaxxers, things like that. They're throwing the mask mandate into it at all, into as well. But there is no question Newsom's nervous. None at all. He's 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 snapping at press conferences. Did you see that? Did you, yeah. did you see the one that he snapped? Yes, he's Stop snapping bitching at press. about all this. I'm like, whoa. And that's what happens when you have a media that just throws you softballs every single day. When they actually the challenge way, you just a little bit. Are we able to put that video up, Kai, or no? Where he's saying... Uh, uh, stop bitching about people are bitching about what's going on in California. You know, he's got that one voice. Just let me be corrupt. My God, <laughs> how hard is this? How much people? money am I giving you? Just let me be corrupt. You more handouts. You know, if the thing that makes me a Just little bit nervous is the mail in ballots, up, you know, how those are going to be counted, hopefully, effectively. Are you suggesting? Uh, I'm not that, suggesting uh, anything. I'm just saying when you mail that much stuff, you're relying on the U.S. Postal Service and then some minimum wage oh, workers to count. Did you, see, did you, did you see the video that's going viral right now where people are going around pulling the recall ballots out? Did oh, you yeah? see that? Yeah. Out of mailboxes, right? Oh, Pretty Lord. crazy. Kai, I want to send it to you here in airdrop. Tell me which one to send it to. I, I tried explaining this a couple podcasts ago, like uh, to Adam, exactly like how ballot harvesting works in big cities yeah. and what they do. Like literally, you put. The, the ballot boxes in these giant Section 8, you know, 8-story, 10-story yeah. uh, developments. And you go door to door and you say, hey, look, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this. Maybe you give them a small incentive, $5, whatever. Or you you look at who they voted for and yeah. you're like, I'll take it. It's older people. They're like, I'll take it for you, no problem. You clip it open and you're like, oh, that guy goes. No, absolutely not. Dump this. So they, they ballot harvest. It would take a team of two people. All right, remember we talked about there's two there's two different moving factors in politics. You have the greedy and you have the crazy. The crazy, not the greedy, are the ones on the ground donating their time, spending all day going door to door. So those people aren't playing it straight. Those people aren't aren't here to be civil servants for you. They're here to make sure their side wins. So they're taking these ballots, they're looking at which ballots benefit them, and they're ditching the other ones, man. You know, the crazy thing is every name on this ballot, you ask them a year ago, this wasn't on their radar screen. The last thing they probably thought they'd be doing is being the governor of the fifth biggest economy in the world. I mean, if we vote no... Or yes, on, on removing him, someone on this list is going to be the governor. And you wonder how prepared they are, how they can handle that supermajority in California. The Democrats still have control of power, you know, so it's going to be a tough job, who, whoever gets it. But anything would be better than what we have. How is it not on our phones? We can verify Voting? literally yeah. everything. How is it not how on is our not, phones? How is what not on our phones? Voting. Oh, how is voting not on? How is it not digitized? You how is it that? not you 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 take like you literally can just FaceTime in. You see that it's me, and I say I just verbally say who it is. Boom. That's offensive, though. How dare you? How da- how dare you assume that's, people that's a, have, way, have cell phones? If you're watching this, just out of curiosity, if you're watching this, thumbs up. You want to see this guy be recalled, Governor Newsom? Thumbs down. Just smash it right there when you see it on your phone. It's not hard. You don't need to type it. Just press thumbs up. I want to see Newsom be recalled. Thumbs down. No, I kind of want to see, uh, see him there because I don't think anybody can do a better job than him. I'm curious. Kai, can you play that video? I just want to show the first 10 seconds. Watch this. What the hell? <laughs> he, just, he, he is going crazy. He's sideways. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Go back. You missed it. Go back. Go back a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Nice if our homegrown team start focusing on what's right. Everybody outside this state is bitching about this state. You should see what he continues saying, by the way. You can pause it. 
he he really loses in this one press conference. By the way, it's not a, it's not a pretty sight for him. Yeah, he's not used he to being challenged. No, he's and not. That's what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see Biden getting challenged yesterday by yes. George? Yes. Yeah. Did you see? A little the, bit. The, yeah. yeah. No, I saw it a little bit. Yeah, but you know what? That was a lot for George. I thought a so. lot for I George. I thought it was good for. I mean, just the fact that he asked him a follow up question and pushed him a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the guy on Brian Williams. I love that guy on Brian Williams. You know, Brian Williams he tees it up. That's right. He tees it up saying, "You have to give Biden credit. Biden, uh, he he." he he took it on the chin, and he he claimed responsibility. He didn't run from it. And the guy was like, uh, was I watching the same thing you guys are watching? He I, went off for one minute, yeah. and it was a direct call. I said, what are you talking about? We told him how to do it. Didn't follow anything. Just decided to do it on we his own. We told him this would happen. This, we yeah. begged him not to do yeah. this. And in the interview with George, George says, did you, see, did you think this was going to take place? Yes. Were you prepared for this? And yes. Would you have done anything differently? No. Could yeah. you have done anything better? No. I mean, we can go back Come and on, look man. at it, but no. And then uh, it was pretty. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not a veteran. I wasn't in the military, yeah. but I am just disgusted by what's going on for people that served over yeah. there and served in in the in the U.S. Armed Forces. I mean, think about Pat Tillman. Remember when he died and what a big deal that was in Afghanistan. If I'm Detroit, his family, right? he was a Detroit. Guy. No, Arizona Cardinal. Arizona, he went to ASU, yeah. straight Phoenix, all the way. And he and grew that, up in San that Jose. Was, that was us. Yeah, I know that was friendly fire, but it happened over there. And then you think, did, did everything they do, all the deaths, was it for nothing? The Taliban was in charge when we came there. They're in charge again now. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a big boy. Uh, you know, it, it's. Um, I, I actually, I got a bunch of. It's interesting you say that, Tom, because I got a bunch of messages. I, I have a, a few followers that that are armed, armed forces people, and they're awesome, awesome, awesome people. My buddy Jesse actually took uh, got got shot you know, over there, and he he's got he has a tattoo around the bullet wounds that that say infidel, but um, he, he's a beast. But his whole thing was is like I got to tell you, man. Twenty years later, do are we more secure or less secure? Like, serious question. And the fact that you can even debate whether or not we're more secure or less secure today just goes to show you the failure and, and the yeah. waste. You know, and, and there was there was um, one guy who messaged me and said, man, you know, it's it's incredible. This started with Americans jumping out of, uh, out of the, the World Trade Centers, and it ends with Afghanis falling off of airplanes. Like... This is this is a humanitarian tragedy, man. Like this is this is something that we're all going to look at uh, at our, you know, while we were complicit. And, and you know, there's a reason why Ron Paul was right was trending on Twitter all day yesterday. Ron Paul was right. Ron Paul, you know, for, you, you don't like him. We, you know, you interviewed him. You, you, people, he's crazy. Maybe he's not the best messenger. Maybe you don't like his son Rand. Whatever. If you look at what he said for the last 30 years about American foreign policy and fiscal policy, particularly, I, I defy anybody to show me where he's been wrong, where he has been the lone person making sense in our federal government. Yeah. Well, I'll add to one thing Gerard said. Are we safer or less safe? <laughs> That's an easy answer. Look at Afghanistan's neighbor, China. Okay, so China has unfettered access into Afghanistan right Mm -hmm. now. And the last thing, too, I think Biden's messaging is so off right now. He should, as the commander in chief and as the president, be emphatic that we're getting everybody out. And and basically their message from the Department of Defense is, hey, if we can make the deadline, you know, that that Biden has set. And if you can get to the Kabul airport, we'll get you out. But my God. I'm assuming special forces are inside that country right now helping us and doing it and just doing it under the radar. You know, if if you're listening to this and you are either an Afghani yourself, okay, and you just left, used to live over there, or you're a vet, Marine, Army, whatever, maybe, and you were in Afghanistan, you did a tour, please comment below or send us a text 
to 310-340-1132. Kai, can you put that in the comment section? 310-340-1132. Again, if you're an Afghani who lived there or if you're somebody who served in the military and you were in Afghanistan, text us at 310-340-1132. And Kai, try to get some information about their background once they text you and find out what their background is. So did you guys see the whole Twitter thing with Taliban and Trump and all that sure. kind of trending? Did yeah, you guys kind of yeah, see their yeah, position? Yeah. Why don't we start with that since we're already on this topic here and then we got a lot of other things to go through. Uh, just some stories for folks to know about that we're going to cover today is the the Elon Musk receiving $6.7 billion in compensation in 2020, 11 times more than the second highest paid CEO. Only fans grows revenue 553% during pandemic. Both Tom Zenner and G have some comments <laughs> on that. Uh, uh, Daniel Craig reveals he will not be giving his kids an inheritance. Palantir, a controversial, interesting company, yeah. decides to buy $50 million Peter in Thiel. gold bars. What are you doing buying $50 million oh, in gold yeah, bars? That's interesting. We will, we will talk about that and a bunch of other stories that we have here. But let's look at Twitter. Okay, let's look at Twitter. Let's look at Twitter. So Twitter is apparently... Refusing to ban Taliban accounts, vows to remain vigilant, moderating content. This is a rap, the rap story. Twitter will allow Taliban affiliated accounts to continue using its platform despite its policies against glorification of violence and threats with the Taliban now regaining control over most of Afghanistan again after the Afghan government collapsed this week. Social media companies are now forced to revisit their policies on pro-Taliban accounts, either try to recruit new members from around the globe or spreading disinformation about the ongoing civil war. A prominent Taliban spokesperson, Zabiluha Mujahid, is still active on the site with over 300,000 followers. Mujahid was tweeting as recently as August 17, promoting a press conference. Unlike its competitors, TikTok and Facebook, Twitter doesn't have an outright ban on Taliban accounts. Facebook told CNBC it will continue to enforce a ban on Taliban accounts that's been in place for several years and added that it is a terrorist Taliban accounts that's been in place for an uh, organization and we have banned it from our services. Okay, so that's that part. And Twitter slammed after Trump is banned, but Taliban spokesperson tweets freely uh, you know, about the fall of this. So what do you think about this whole position Twitter's taking? <laughs> Excuse me. You how, know, do you, how do you describe that? It, it's Well... A lot of layers here, but okay, let's talk about the spokesperson for the Taliban. All right, so I can't really pronounce his name effectively, but it's Zabulaha Mujahid. I yep. believe that's who yep. it is. And he's constantly on there. And, and by the way, he's not verified. Hold on, wait, wait. How, how long? How many times did you rehearse that before you said that? I, name? I, you I, nailed that on the oh. first try, man. Like seriously, <laughs> you just got off the plane and you were like, "Zabulaha ah, Mujahid." I, I hope I was close enough. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Yeah, that was part of my elaborate ruse to get that name right today. <laughs> it's flawless. Three hundred thousand followers, and he's not verified. If you're the person at Twitter in charge of verifying, wouldn't you want the Taliban guy not mad at you and you verify and give him that check mark right away? You know, if you watch this, if you peel it back. This is a PR campaign yeah. by the Taliban to project themselves as the kinder, more gentler, less ob ob oppressive Taliban. Yeah. And, and, it's, and they're using it pretty effectively. You know, TikTok has banned them. Mm -hmm. Facebook has banned them. Instagram, obviously, has banned them. They, they, they don't have a form, but they have one. And look at it like this. How has banning Donald Trump hurt Twitter? It has not hurt them at all. Their revenue or their their stock is up 16% this year. Mm -hmm. So they haven't suffered anything really from banning Trump. They're the ones being talked about right now. You know people are running to Twitter to see what they're saying. And, and it's working, I think, for the Taliban. I don't think you want to underestimate what they're trying to accomplish here and having what appears to be a willing accomplice with Twitter to let them do it.
You know, I give you I give you a story here that's that's very um, that's very challenging uh, uh, to to see what is the right move to make. So in Iran, when Khomeini was doing his thing and he was creating momentum, he did it with tapes, simply tapes like cassette tapes, right? And through cassette yeah. tapes from France, he kept sending it in from Paris because he was in exile in Paris, and he kept sending these tapes. And everybody slowly but surely said, "Did you hear what Khomeini said? Did you hear what Khomeini said? Did you hear what Khomeini said?" So. These tapes, you burn them and you give them to other people, right? And Shah knew this was happening. And Shah's concern in Iran was more the two-day party, which is a communist party, than Khomeini. And his people said, listen, you got to put a stop to this. And there was a part of Shah that said, this guy's never going to have the kind of power to come and take over uh, uh, Iran. And Iran mm-hmm. was becoming the top five empire worldwide. Everybody's looking at him. He's negotiating with all the bigger guys. 25-year contract. He strikes with France, with UK, with US, with you know, Germany, all these guys. So he's doing, he's doing the right things. And then all of a sudden, one of his military guys says, look, I'm going to say this to you one last time. We got to take this guy out. Mm-hmm. We got to figure They knew something. where he was? They could get to him? They could do something to him sure. to stop all of this madness. He says he's not going to create that kind of momentum. Huh. You have two different advisors. One advisor saying, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to create that kind of momentum. Another group is saying, what? We got to take this guy out. Yep. What ends up happening? We know what ends up happening. Right. The regime comes, takes over, revolution. Nine million people revolt over a message because Khomeini kept saying, we're going to give you free food. We're going to give you free housing. We're going to give you free all this stuff. And then Iran changes, you know, and then now you know what the half a million people die, war, mm-hmm. Iran, you know, it's, uh, Iraq, all that mess. I think um, that the hardest part, like the guy I was talking to yesterday, the communistic professor, right? You're like, do you allow a guy like that to teach? Is that the biggest threat? Do you allow somebody like this to be on Twitter? Do you allow somebody like this to recruit younger people who haven't yet shaped their level of thinking? Think about you at 16 years old, 17 years old. Think about what moved us at 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18 years old. How easy, easy it was to us for us to be manipulated by somebody, mm-hmm. right? Some of us are stronger than others, but to allow people like this to be on Twitter? I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I actually, I, I think you should. But I, you have to make sure if you're going to allow him to be yeah. on Twitter, you have to allow somebody else to be. <laughs> Which you is can't Trump. Allow, you, well, fine, Trump, anybody. I've been kicked off Twitter four but, times. But, but here's the question. Four times. Here's the, question. the Taliban's still here's on there. A, here's the question, though. I don't know about that, and here's why. Because to me, um, uh, 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 go to your kids. Let's just say you got kids. Mm-hmm. You're 45 years old. you got two kids. Sure. Okay, Gerard, uh, uh, Heron, Michaels. Okay, you got two kids. Are you okay <laughs> with your kids kicking it with anybody? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, you sure? I, I don't have kids. It's hard for me to yeah. say. Okay. Gotta have so are, are you okay with your kids Absolutely kicking Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, Why not? Because Why I'm, not? I'm actually opposed to him hanging out with some of his friends. You know, I've identified people that I don't want him being around. But why not, though? Because bad judgment. That other person does stupid things. You could be involved in at it. At what age are you comfortable? First of all, you don't have a choice after at certain age. Yeah, but right. At what age are you like? I can't do nothing about it. Uh, you know what? I, I hope I'll always have the relationship where I'll have that sway Influence, with them, yeah. and I and I know I will. But you know, at the age of twenty one or twenty or something, when you don't have day to day contact or whatever, you're not paying everything. Someone's going to be able to. Go yeah, sure. And I, but I, you just but hope you Tom, train them right. Tom, man, if you raised your kids right, what if your kid can be the positive influence in that other kid that you don't like? That's not, not my responsibility. Yeah, I, but I would I would rather protect him from something that is not his fault. You that can't could insulate him from as, ideas. But, no, but it's I, a wide it's a wide open by, world. By the way, by the way, I agree. At, okay, here's a here's a random question for you. At what age did you see pot? 
12. Okay. At what age did you see pot? Maybe 15 because I grew up in the Stone Ages. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the same age, 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. At what age did you see cocaine? Uh, 14. 18. At 18, you yeah. saw cocaine. Right when I got to college. Okay. Yeah. At what age uh, did you see a, you know, a person getting freaking trashed, hammered, dragged, you know, like absolutely lost their minds because of how drunk they were? 14. Okay. Yeah. Late teens. Late teens. For some people, it may be yeah. different because it could be your parent, right? Because yeah, some yeah, people yeah. are like, ah, two years day. old. That's yeah. how, yeah, you know, yeah. my mom or my dad. But Actually, I get what you're yeah, saying here. But here's, here's, my, here's my point to you. The point I'm trying to make to you is eventually you're going to see it. Yeah. How old were you the first time you saw somebody pull a gun? How old were you the first time you saw a stabbing? Or have you seen somebody die? Have yeah. you seen some of that? Things are going to happen. But to allow somebody that is purely about violence, Gerard, Mm-hmm. This is not like an opposing idea. Yeah, there's a big difference between ideas. So, so to what do you call it? To the Shah, he was more worried about the idea of communism, mm-hmm. and he was less he was less worried about a guy that wanted to revolt and absolutely he killed every one of his generals. Sure, sure. the Khomeini killed every one of his generals. So, which messaging hmm. do you have to be more worried about well, when you're running a nation? I, I, I need to look. I think we should be ever vigilant, and I'm no fan of the Taliban, but I also remember the IRA were a terrorist group, and now they're a legitimate political party as well. The IRA, you know, with Sinn Fein, are a legitimate political party, and they were terrorists. Absolutely were, and they were murdering terrorists. But to them, they were freedom fighters fighting an oppressive regime. Uh, I'm not pro-Taliban, and I find I find the, the, this world we're living in so crazy that the week started with the Department of Homeland Security essentially describing me as a terror threat, and then I'm listening to the Taliban spokesman. What do you mean describing you? Well, the Department of Homeland Security <laughs> put out a terror threat. Who who is uh, who is a high terror risk? People who are, are skeptical of COVID measures, people who uh, uh, love America, and people who uh, are, are use the word patriotic, and people who um, uh, have deference for the 9/11 holiday. Those are all. They was on Lester Holt. Uh, so I, me, you saw that? did you see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, so they they basically described me. I'm like, holy crap! Check, check. Yeah, check. I'm like, what? And then that's on NBC Nightly News. That's how my week begins. Now my week is ending with me listening to the Taliban spokesperson give American companies a lecture on sp- free speech and be right about it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, so my week started with well, Department of Homeland Security it, and it ends with Taliban. It. Like, whoa! What message? What? What? What are you? Okay, not like saying, is there something for you to say, I don't think that's cool to allow on I think Twitter or I anything I think the else. market of ideas, I believe in humanity. I believe in the invisible hand. I think that we don't need laws telling people not to block the, the exit if there's a fire because if there's a fire, people will leave the exit. Right? I, I, I think that the way you stamp out extremism is by shining a light on it. I think that you, you, you don't have to amplify one voice or another. Extremism to me is cancer. You talk about Khomeini, I would have I would have said take him out. I would have said 100. And this is a problem I have with, with my libertarian friends, and this is where they, they get after me. I don't believe in the non-aggression principle. I don't. I think counterpunching all the time is stupid. I think some things you have to get in front of and you can save a lot of people. Okay? The the You cannot negotiate. There's a part of that that's contradictory, though, isn't it, based on what you're saying? Because Why? If that's what you're saying, isn't it isn't it good to get ahead of something like this? Isn't it good to get yeah. ahead? Let's just say this guy that's got three hundred thousand followers, he converts one guy that's more aspirational than anybody else, and he yeah. becomes the next guy that well, costs a million lives. Can I Can't tell we you? Get ahead of I, I, but but just to f- complete that thought, that's a great point. 
But you said it yourself. Khomeini was banned, and that made him more popular. He went underground. This isn't this MAGA isn't gone. It's underground. It's not it, just because tw- Twitter exists because, frankly, Republicans and conservatives fell asleep at the wheel and they didn't compete in tech. There's no question. And they didn't that. compete 20, in education. Years, yeah, the yeah. fact that that yeah. there's nothing, there's no place for these folks to go. It, it's not the left's fault. The left out competed yeah. and they out innovated. It's the right's fault. I don't think that's so. Hey, I would say this: don't underestimate the Taliban. This is pure propaganda for them. And and I'm not so worried about one some an average person falling for this. I'm yeah. worried about mainstream media buying into this crap and then continuing the narrative that the Taliban has changed. And these guys are smart. And let's also remember one thing: they're not a government. All right, they, they are not a government. They are extremists, radical Muslims that have taken over a country. U.S. government is right now negotiating with the Taliban to let the uh, troops be released. U.S. is negotiating with the Taliban right now to allow the uh, the translators to be released. I mean, U.S. is negotiating right now directly with the Taliban. Yesterday, one of the press conferences, they asked the general, hey, it, it, it sounds like you're negotiating with the Taliban and you're waiting on Taliban to allow you to get the troops to get out. Is that true? And did you see what the guy said? What? It's like, uh... Uh, General Milley and oh. Gen, Gen, you guys didn't see that? Yeah. It was the most awkward moment. Yeah. Like, that's what's happening yeah. right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I, I think I'm, I'm a part of you got to get ahead of it before it becomes a bigger problem. I'm, I'm more from the mindset of only the paranoid survive. And I think America is not paranoid enough right now. I think America is being a little bit too. Uh, 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 trusting and casual and comfortable. And the last time we were like that, an event happened on uh, 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to be a little bit more paranoid today with events that are taking place. I, I, that's, that's my mindset. So when you hear something like this, hey, let's let just let them on there on Twitter. What for? Yeah. But think what about for? it. But Twitter, everybody's talking about Twitter every single day. Yeah. I mean, this is they're probably going to let it ride until they pull an ISIS and start showing decapitations or something. And then you have to get rid of it. Yeah, I, look, I, I, to me, I, I think the 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 marketplace of ideas wins, right? If they're out there saying like like what you said the other day, where they're like, "We're gonna be great with women," and then people on Twitter are like, "See, they've changed," and then they're like, "Oh, cool." So what do you mean we're gonna be great with women? Yeah, yeah, but but so yeah. so I can wear yeah. whatever I want. No, no, yeah. no, no. So I mean, eventually. Yeah. So it's, I mean, do you, let let's just say what it is. So you're you're saying, kind of like the the propaganda will mold the the next generation into being unreasonable is that the idea like are are you do, do you feel your kids generation is going to lack the the processing skills to be able to see Look, extremism I, for what it is I'm talking to Gadsad okay I'm the godfather Gad, amazing guy yeah great guy we're going back and forth which mean we're trying to get a date for him to come out here to be on the podcast but in the interview I said let me ask you a question do you think the more shows we have on TV that show whatever may be has influence over kids? No. I said, okay. While I'm talking to him, I said, do you think the more we see LGBTQ, the more we see Nickelodeon with a trans person coming out and doing shows on kids, do you think that influences kids to think they're gay or to want to be gay? He says, no. I said, great. Well, I'm like, maybe you're right. Maybe you're not. I don't know. So I go online and I type in the increased uh, percentage of population being part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. Yeah. In the last 30 years, it went from 1.1% to 2% to 3% to 5%. 
Today it's 5.4%. Why is it 5.4%? Did we all of a sudden have a lot of people in the LGBTQ community last 20 years? I don't know. Is it an influence? Is it shows? Is it TV? Is it somebody saying, maybe I am? It's the questioning, right? Mm -hmm. It's like my friend when we went to the nightclub at a gay club in in, uh, in Tennessee, which was the freaking best club I've ever been in my life. It was like the Studio 54 of Tennessee, <laughs> underground place called Connections. <laughs> it was happening. <laughs> if you went there Friday or Saturday, you had a monopoly because with, it was with, with the bell bottoms on. Every night, I had <laughs> with the bell, bell bottoms, bottoms on. I had my. <laughs> you should see the clothes I was wearing. My hero was freaking uh, Tony Monero. I mean, I, that was my hero. I was the Middle Eastern Tony Monero. And I don't know if you know who Tony Monero is. Uh, Saturday night fever, baby. Yeah, staying alive. So. So I'd go there and I would do the whole thing. And then one day, one uh, guy comes up to him and he says, hey, you know, I like you. And he, and he grabs him in the wrong places. Nowadays, a guy would do time, but he, and my, my, my guy's like flipping out because yeah. he's a soldier. <laughs> and he says, you ever been with a man before? And he says, what? Subtle. He says, he says <laughs> I know you were in the Navy. He says, no. And he says, I like women. He says, he asked the question. And he says, how do you know you don't like men if you've never been with one? So now that line has been asked for me many times because this club, I ran this sure, club. Sure, sure. So I said, dude, I just know. Yeah. Okay. I like girls. Yeah, I yeah. can tell you it's gravity. I like girls. Anyways, so we're driving back. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. No joke. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. My friend is like, bro, but how do I know? I'm like, what is the matter with you, buddy? He says, but how do I know? Yeah. How do I know? Yeah. Maybe there's only one way to know. I'm like, are you seriously doing this to yourself? He says, but, but he, you know, do you know that was the topic of discussion? You got to know, man. In unit, we're doing push-ups. We're running six miles. He's asking at the end of Chow Hall. But I Poor don't know. guy was conflicted. He yeah. was conflicted. Yeah, yeah. The point I'm trying to make to you is. Pat, I'm confused now. Yeah. <laughs> what's, uh, David, what, what, what's part of the hot dog do you like better, the meat or the bun? Which is the, when you get a hot dog, is Look, it the meat or the bun you, that you, looks you, more appetizing you know, you know to you? You know where this goes to? You know where this goes to? Think about, and, and, and the reason why I'm convinced with this is the following thing. And I'll bring you to something that's very familiar to you that's porn. <laughs> I'm glad you looked to your left. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> something I know about. So, so uh, uh, we're trying to, uh, one of our friends, one of my friends, Armenian friends from uh, uh, Glendale uh, said, you know, what happened with Brandy, uh, Lori. Brand, yeah, Brandy Love. She was upset. She was a fan of yours because you defended her. and But she was upset at everybody so else. But Nikki Benz wants to come on. Okay, huh. Nikki Benz wants to come and be a guest on Valuetainment. So I said, okay, great. So we're conversation, all this come. stuff. <laughs> so you she wants come. to be a guest. Because believe it or not, she's a conservative. She's a conservative. Okay. So go back and think about when your first time you watch porn. So first time you watch porn, uh, Gerard. Six, seven. I mean, what was it for you? It was a sunny afternoon, a January Saturday. Today, do not listen to today's podcast. Let me prep you. But do you actually remember how old you were? How old were you the first time? I I can be honest with you, and you're going to think I'm a prude, but probably at a bachelor party for me. And okay. I'm not joking. I just didn't have access. 22? Yeah, in my 20s. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I can I can tell you I was a, I don't know how old I was, but I know I was young enough that you had to c- physically come up and change the television channels on the TV. You were determined. Okay. No, so, I was a kid. By, by the way, and and I I, I tried to click the I tried to click what the an channels. We took today. We yeah. went to hold. We made a right. And it on was. The... Uh, do you remember the TV for people that for people that don't know yeah. before the internet yeah. existed? It would be on TV, and it would be like all blacked out unless you paid for the channel. It would have, but you'd see like little snippets, well, especially in New there'd York. be like little yeah. snippets yeah. that came out. And then I remember being a kid, yeah, being like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were watching what is this underground man? porn?" Is what you were watching? <laughs> was so, that my aunt's house? Here's a question for you. Here's a question. Let's try to get the Nickelodeon. Here's a question for you. Question for you. Did you watch porn first or did you have sex first? 
Porn. Okay. All right. So watch this. So imagine <laughs> hard copy, by the way, like Playboy, hard copy pornography. Yeah. I got you. But what I'm saying to you is, if you watched porn before you had sex, you were somewhat messed up. Just oh yeah. So you know that. Yeah. I don't know if you for got sure. it or not. For sure. So do you guys understand where I'm going with 100%, this? Hundred so, percent, man. That's what I'm trying yeah. to tell you. Yeah. What yeah. I'm trying to tell you is, if you watched porn, then you had sex. And let's just say the girl you had sex with, she'd been with others. She's like, what the hell is the matter with yeah, yeah. you? I mean, you talk right? to any marriage yeah. counselor, yeah. that's destroying marriages. Yeah. That's the what I'm saying. So, so when, when did your friend come in? Do I ask I get, her? Or? I get so many. I get questions from spouses that say, hey, we have a porn issue in the family. Mm -hmm. We would like to see yeah. how we can fix this porn issue because everything is porn. And porn is more exciting than the real thing. But men have this thought. Pamela Anderson talked about it with her sons. Yeah. She said, I had to tell my boys what the way people have sex in porn is not how you have sex yeah. in bed. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's not what it is. So where am I going with this? If porn made young boys think this is a certain way of having sex that pleases people just because it's a video that people are screaming, and then you go in their bedroom and you're like, shit, that's the complete, maybe some of the stuff, but some of the stuff it's yeah. not, then this goes back to the Taliban. How I brought <laughs> porn. <laughs> Because it's because the people Stay. in Afghanistan are getting <laughs> right now. Stay with me. The, the, how I took this story from a gay club to porn back to this. This is the, like a Biden speech came to life. It's like hell of a lot more entertaining. Come on, man. The, the, the point I'm trying to make to you is influence. Influence. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, my concern is influence. You leave people like this on. The wrong person who doesn't know is going to say, but how do you know? Yeah. But how do you know? But how do you? Maybe America does suck. Maybe we do. Maybe we are the ones that killed. Maybe we are a terrible empire. Maybe we are. That's the part that you have to be a little bit careful with. That's the part you have to be a little bit careful they, with. There has to be reason, again, though, Pat, because people aren't getting on trash floats and heading into the ocean to escape evil America. People aren't clinging to you know the, their nails. To the you know what their vision is? Okay, so what's the commie's vision? Tell me communist vision. Oh, man. What's communist vision? To eliminate greed. To eliminate billionaires, to eliminate the rich, to eliminate the bourgeoisie. I, I think that's BS. I think that their vision is their self-empowerment under the guise Fine. of to humanitarianism. I think it's control It's control for okay. sure. But let me ask you a question. What's a socialist vision? I, I don't see any difference between the two. They're slightly different, but let's just say it's pretty close to each other, yeah. right? That's like 52nd Avenue, 53rd Avenue. Sure. Socialism is just, socialism. The it's just the economic engine behind capitalism. That. I mean, that's, that. I mean, communism. But, me. but, but, but the Taliban? You think, you think their vision is... Control and for you think that's what it is? Yeah, no, that's not yeah. their vision. It's no. an interesting thing with the Taliban yeah. and all these it's freedom different. fighters, though. Yeah, yeah, because all they care about is it's eliminating authority. Yeah, and then what happens when all you've done your whole life is challenge authority and fight authority? Then you become the authority. Yeah. Did you see some of the other images that were out with these guys on bumper cars and they took over an amusement park and they were having fun? I mean, they're trying to humanize themselves, and I agree. People are. You know, vulnerable to this messaging without a doubt. And the point I made earlier too yeah. is, once mainstream media starts buying into it, which they probably already are, you know, then there's another way they're going to be subjected to it. And you mentioned kids. I mean, kids are getting bombarded every single direction they go. College, you know, from professors, Hollywood, the in in elementary school right now. Here's the next thing that they're going to do to kids. They're going to segregate them on whether they're yeah. wearing have been vaccinated yet. For and the sure. FDA hasn't approved the vaccine and, and you're talking about 12 by the way Culver City in LA just uh, is the first school district in LA that is mandating that 12 and above have to be vaccinated to go to school. <laughs>
All to- right. They wait, do that. Wait, wait, what? Okay. What? Culver City School District. I still work in Culver City. Yes. Right they, by Sony. I used yes, to work correct. in Sony right at Bally's. But go ahead. So you got to get vaccinated if you're 12 and up? Yep. To go to school. This year, they just came out with it yesterday. Yesterday the or Tuesday. I know. And, and it'll fall like dominoes in the rest of LA. I guarantee here's, you. Here's, here's what I'm trying to like. What's the formula? You, n- people come to America for options and choices. How do you lead with force? Mm-hmm. You know, for years, we took flu shots and we took vaccines. It was a choice. Yeah. You took it. This is when you do force. It's it's not a yeah. marketing strategy that's effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, those vaccines were FDA approved. I think you get a lot of people that are just a, a little bit afraid of the fact that it's not FDA approved. Although it could happen, I heard, by the end of August. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what kids are dealing with right well, now. Well, look, I, that, to go back, and, and that's that's a whole other ball of wax, man, that the the – segregation that they're doing right now and, and the stratifying of society between the obedient and the disobedient is something that's that's really, really troublesome. But I look I, I have to admit and I and maybe maybe the reason Pat that I feel the way that I feel about this is because after nine eleven happened, you gotta you know, I, I grew up in the shadow of the towers. Uh I I I, I became there's no other way to say it. Like Islamophobic. I really did. I I for a long time, for years after I was one of these dudes that was like, nah, screw Muslims. They're all the same. They're this and that. Like, they, they destroyed these yeah. people. And, uh, dude, I was wrong. I was young, you know, and I was, I was flat out wrong. So when it comes to this, you know, I have to wonder, man, like, so much of what's going on in Afghanistan is the fault of our government. George Bush, Dick Cheney. Donald Rumsfeld, the entire you know establishment regime, for whatever reason, whether it was oil, whether it was access, whether it was poppy, whatever reason, we were there to we we weren't there for for the right reasons, and we we destroyed an entire generation, man. And you know th- this is our, our cross the bear in some ways. And I'm not I look I'm not pro Taliban. I got to say that as loud as I can again. But I also don't want to fall into that same category of we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. We're we're on the side of righteousness. Yeah, they're but, on the but side you of you know evil. what? We have to have some enemies, right? Because right now, I mean, we do have legit enemies, but no one is hearing about that. And if you're a kid, the messaging you're hearing, and if you're a vulnerable person, is the only enemy is someone that doesn't believe in you in what you believe politically or maybe socially. Yeah. That that is the only enemy, and that is the only message these people hear. We don't talk about threats to this country and the legit enemies that we have. I am way more worried about the fox in the hen house than I am about the Taliban 6,000 miles from me. I have to be honest. I am way, way, way more concerned about Ivy League professors than I am about the Taliban right now. I am way, way, way more concerned about media executives inside my own country than I am about the Taliban. So you're, you're worried about shaping up the mindset. I am. So you're more worried about that commie professor than you're worried about the Taliban. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you are the Shah. You're thinking like the Shah. You're worried about a mindset spreading is I, what you're worried about. I, I am worried about things that I think that we can control. So here's a question for you. I got a question for you. Okay. Historically, do you know how the communist membership uh, has done? Have you ever studied how the communist like membership in the has United, done? Yeah. In the United States, have you looked at the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you noticed? What have you found? Uh, that when times are bad, membership goes up. When times are good, membership goes down. Fraud out. And by Flat the way, out. how bad is a drop-off when times are good? Yeah. It's, how- a, it's almost to the point where they have to make times bad. Of course. Of course. To but recruit. When, but when the times are great, what happens to their membership? They fall away. They fall away how bad? Is it by 5% or like 80%? Yeah, everybody grows up essentially. Everybody yeah. grows up 80%. Okay, let me ask you a question. 
percentage-wise, go from 1930, 1940. When did mm-hmm. Karl Marx start really creating momentum? What what your well, Karl Marx Marxism... was, the, was the 19th century, but yeah, I would say the Bolshevik Revolution, okay. end of World War One. So let's just go from there. Let's go 20s. Yeah. Okay, let's go 20s, 30s to today. Okay, go 20s, 30s till today. Percentage-wise, percentage-wise of communism membership in U.S. Mm-hmm. is it the same today as it was 90 years ago? It's an interesting question. Percentage-wise? Yeah. I'm not not talking number. I'm asking percentage. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's probably lower, Okay, but I think it has way more people in the mainstream sympathetic to the ideals. Sympathetic is different, but there are a lot of sympathetic people. You know, moms are sympathetic to, but you know, it's okay. You know, you should forgive them. It's okay. It's okay to be sympathetic. But the membership has declined. Yeah. Is that a fair thing? I would mm-hmm. think yeah, it I, has. I mean, listen, yes. USSR is or, 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 it's USSR. Rebra- or it's rebranded. The actual communist Bro, party. China has now got an element of capitalism in it. It's the government that's communism that wants to control the narrative. But the business, you can go out there and oh, make money right. in China. It's, yeah, it's futile, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so so all I'm saying to you is the idea of communism has gradually lost momentum. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Percentage-wise. Yes. Okay, so now let me flip the question on you. Here's a question for you. Go from 40 years ago, 1981, to today. 1981 to today. Taliban, Hezbollah, extremist, I any see. of those. Like, not, not Muslim, the religion, that's the biggest. I'm not talking the religion. Yeah. I'm not talking about the people that you deal with who are Muslim, who are peaceful, loving, caring. They're just like, how, you, some, how are you a Muslim? Yeah. I'm a Muslim. Mm-hmm. I follow some of the stuff that Prophet Muhammad talked about. But has the Taliban... Hezbollah, ISIS, have they increased in the last 40 years? Yes. Percentage-wise? Absolutely. Is it by a small percentage or is it by a big percentage? Well, it's it's by a big percentage, and a lot of that's our doing. So what I'm what I'm saying, I, I don't disagree, but their number one enemy in the world is America. Mm-hmm. Because everything America stands for, they don't stand for. Everything America stands for, they don't stand for. They want to do whatever they can for everybody who represents the westernized mindset to be taken off of the face of the earth. Anything to do to get rid of them. point I'm trying to make to you is the one you're worried about sometimes is proven that it doesn't work. They're just a bunch of people that are going around, you know, crying, whining. Well, it's not fair. Let me tell you that these capitalists, all they want to do is put people to work and it's like slavery and it's this, this, this. The ultimate slavery is communism. Let's face it. That's the ultimate slavery. But the one you have to worry about is guys like this. So for me, when they're okay with them creating this kind of momentum, just look at the percentage of growth the last 40 years. It validates what we have to really be careful with. Mm-hmm. They flat out hate you. Right. They don't not like you. No. They hate they you. They want you dead. They, mm-hmm. they wish you were not here. It's a very different mindset when you think about that. Uh, are you guys okay if we go to a softer topic? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. pretty serious <laughs> sure. for some time. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of, of Brandy Love. See Let me see what else I'm going to do. Okay, uh, let me ask you, do we have a phone to make a call or no? I got a guy, uh, my sergeant from the Army just texted me from Sweet. 20, wow. from 1998, which, by the way. <laughs> did, he, did he ever find out was if. He, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> is he still going to that club? How long has he lived in Nashville? It's crazy. <laughs> if he's listening, he actually went to that club with me, but I, I don't. <laughs> I have a story of his, but I'm not going to tell it. Maybe he'll tell it, but maybe he's not going to tell it. It's a pretty crazy story. But, yeah. Uh, here, let me let me get to Felix, if you're ready, I'm calling you. Tell me, text me and tell me, yes, I'll, I'll call you if you're ready. <laughs> Freaking wonderful. How many times guys. did this guy scream at you? 
Uh, who? This guy we're calling. Oh, by the way, let me just tell you. Like, do you know what his size is? <laughs> Felix, let me, let's see if he's on or listening to this before I call this guy. Felix is... <sighs> Gosh, Felix, I got like a billion stories. Did you t- did you say he was like your corporal or what, who was he? Your no, officer? Sergeant, sergeant. I, I was I was a, a, a specialist. He was a sergeant, and he was uh, the sergeant of supply. All right, let's see if we're gonna get a hold of this guy. This good. This We hear dance Hello? music in the background. Felix Gutierrez, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Patrick? I, I am doing good, man. So what's the word? What are you thinking about what's going on here with Afghanistan? Tell us. Tell the audience who you are. Tell, tell our relationship and give us your idea about what's going on in Afghanistan. You know, so, Patrick, you know, I, I saw your video. And, and, of course, like, you know, rest of the world, uh, I'm sure they're, you know, they look at those those videos are in shock. I mean, I've had a lot of f- family and friends and even people I serve with. You know, just kind of give a little bit of my background, like you were saying. I'm 20 years, you know, Army retired. Uh, I have five combat tours, three of them being in Afghanistan, or actually three being in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. So I spent over four years of my life, you know, in the Middle East uh, between 2003 and 2011. Um, Our relationship, you know, know me and Patrick, we served together back at Fort Campbell, um, you know, back in the day. And, um, you know, I remember you telling me stories about life, you know, in Iran growing up. And so... You know, as far as, you know, I didn't get that perspective of living in the Middle East until, of course, I spent, you know, a good chunk of my life there. And, um, you know, what I see is just tragic. You know, it, it's it's unfortunate. And, like, I think I, I put on your post, you know, the fact that, um, you know, when I hopped on a plane, I remember the colonel briefing us. You know, I'm there in the hangar at Fort Campbell. Yep. And it was like, how many of you guys been been to Iraq? And, you know, of course, I raised my hand. It was my second tour at the time. I did three tours total. And he was like, a lot of you think you might know what you're stepping into, but like when you go to Afghanistan, it's a completely different world. And I'm like, what's he talking about? Hmm. And of course, he said, it's kind of like the time, you know, the time has stood still. So um, until I was in charge of, uh, you know, Afghanistan detail, where I was in charge of basically 10 people, we worked at the entry control points. And so, you know, I, I dealt with them the every day. I, I, I fed them, I've trained them. And it was just, just blew me away just how far they were behind to the modern world. So, Felix, can, um, you, can you can you paint a picture for the rest of us? Iraq, Afghanistan. So modernized education, you know, level of lifestyle, what it was like. Maybe maybe paint a picture for some that don't know. Okay, so I mean, I guess the best way I can put it is like, you know, my parents originally grew up in Mexico, right? And so when when as an American, I'd go to Mexico, I would always be in shock of like it's like a kind of a second world country, you know, it's just not as developed as America, the technology infrastructure. And when I went to when I went to Iraq, you know, I kind of identified it as kind of like I would say not say like Mexico, but as far as just infrastructure and the people and education, you know, but maybe just a little bit behind. But when you go to Afghanistan, I mean, Patrick, it's literally like you're going 3,000 years back in time. Wow. I mean, I know there's do people will say, well, they see the buildings, they see all that. Yep. But I'm talking about the everyday individual, the people, the farmers, the countrymen, the people that are out there. They're just literally behind the modern world. I mean, even when I went to Iraq, I remember I was in charge of uh, interpreters. So I remember they used to tell me in Iraq. Now, think about this perspective that they were shut off to the rest of the world. They weren't able to have uh, uh, only certain channels, right? So Saddam Hussein controlled the information flow that came in there. Hmm. So their perspective of Americans was completely different until we were there and they saw how friendly we were, how they were there to help them when they were given that, or they don't even, they're shut off to the rest of the world. They don't know what the rest of the world looks like, if that makes any sense. 
No, of course. Now, now Felix, uh, when you, when you, when you, so you being there and amongst all the other soldiers, you're around officers, you're around sergeant majors, you're around sergeant first class, first sergeants, captains, colonels, generals. You're around all these guys behind closed doors when it's just sitting around shooting. You know, you're just having a conversation together. What was the position of most of the soldiers? I'm talking more the leadership, not necessarily those who are not leading. Was there is there position amongst each other? Why the hell are we here in the first place? This should have never happened. What the hell are we doing? It's a waste of money. You know, we could be back. It's costing so many people's lives. Or was it more from the standpoint of we got to do our part to help? It's so necessary for us to be here. If we weren't here, it would be such a shit show. It would be much worse. What was the language of leaders? Not victims and complainers who don't want to be there, who can't wait to come back. I'm talking those who are aspirational leaders that one day want to move up in the ranks in the military. What was the conversation behind closed doors? I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I really feel that even as leaders, even for for some of the even the soldiers is like, you know, you, you, you know, you might join the, the military for different reasons, yeah. and you know, respect for whatever they join for. But once you go there, I mean, you're a human, Patrick. I mean, you should know this, right? You know, you're like, wow, I, I, I can't believe people live like this or they or they have lives like this. And so, you know, I think overall for a lot of the sentiment is what basically you're looking for is that we realize that this is a real problem and the fact that you know um if we don't change and i and i think i, I send you a text saying that we need to be there for 100 years and i know of course that's going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money i know there's people that have to go there and serve but it's not just america's problem it's the world's problem and oh, so, i feel oh, so that got it so felix uh, your position is that we should have never pulled out of this last week or you know 10 days ago we shouldn't have pulled out I mean, from a humanitarian, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure as people look at in awe, right? I mean, of course, I don't, um, you know, I don't write the checkbook. And I know that that's a cost to American taxpayers. And, and I know there's people that actually have to go there and serve and, yeah. and potentially risk their lives. But I think from a humanitarian effort, I mean, you're looking at it that these are people and individuals like anyone else. And until you're there and see it and realize, like, how good you have it here in America – and, and, and you should know that, you know, you're telling me the stories of, you know, when you used to uh, get bombed there in Iran, but yep. it, 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 it is just completely opposite out there. And it's like, you know, when you see the kids and they're just like, you give them, uh, I, I have a picture and I wish I had it. And this is in Iraq. So this is back in 2003 when I was convoying back from, uh, from being there. And I remember stopping on our convoy, like literally like, like five in the morning. And some kid ran up to me, and I'm literally like giving, and he was just like, "Can I get like?" He was like, "Water, water," and I gave him a bottle of water. And you thought I would have given this guy, you know, this this kid, you know, ten thousand dollars. I mean, it's just a different mindset. And until you have that experience, yeah. you yeah. know, I think it's very moving. And and people, I think overall, even the world, I mean, yeah. even as Americans, I think we're very empathetic to to people's causes. And of course, we want to help a lot of people. And I know it's tough. Someone's got to step up, but I don't think it's just America's responsibility. It's the world's responsibility. Hey, Felix. This and, is, oh, sorry, buddy. Go ahead. This is go Tom. Ahead. This is Tom Zander. I have a quick question for you with your perspective fighting the Taliban when you uh, were deployed there. A, what potential do they have to actually change? Do you buy this, that they could be a different version of the Taliban right now? And B, what would realistically happen to any Americans or contractors that work for America as interpreter or anything else? What would happen to them if they were left behind and not rescued? Um, I, I'll be honest. I mean, they the hatred, you know, from from them is that's all they know. That's all they've been raised on. When I said they have to be there for 100 years, you have to change a mindset. And that doesn't happen. 
I mean, think about it. I was there in 2008 to, you know, uh, to 2009 for 13 months. And, you know, it's just completely different mindset. You have to go in there and change. You know, you, it's a generational thing. And when I say 100 years, these people just think different. Well, I was right. I was mainly wondering, will the Taliban kill any Americans or their contractors left behind? Are their lives in danger if we don't get them out? And do you believe I, I the mean, Taliban from, can change? From, from my perspective, I would say yes. I would say yes, they would be because they were grown to 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 hate Americans and they don't know any better. I mean, they they think we're there to, to take the resources and, and and change their way of life and their, and their ideology. And and if they feel that way, I mean, they don't they don't think anything about us. You know, I mean, it's just their 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 language of how they speak. You Felix, know, uh, a follow up question for you. Here's a follow up question for you. Let's let's get a little bit more logical. So all this stuff you said, I'm fully with you. I totally under. I, I remember when I got on the flight, the Lufthansa flight, when I left Iran, July 15th of '89, and we crossed the border, and the right. la, uh, flight attendant says we can officially serve alcohol. Everybody started cheering sure. and clapping because they finally felt free. You did not feel free until it, it left. The Iranian border, that's when we finally felt free. So I understand that part of it. But the other part of it, some people may say, well, we got 800 military bases in 70-plus countries. China's got one military base by Suez Canal. You know, uh, uh, Djibouti is their base that they have in Djibouti. And we got all these other bases. We're spending all this money. We're spending all this taxpayers' money. Should we go out there and try to solve every country's problems, or should we let them handle it themselves? I mean, to be honest with you, if it's if it's you think it might not be our problem, but if they're harboring you know terrorism and, and they they view us as the enemy, I mean, just I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, in our eyes, we never would have believed nine eleven would have ever happened. In our in our prior to nine eleven, that was unconceivable, Patrick. But now it's 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 conceivable. If that makes any sense? Of course. So 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 what I think, in my perspective, is that whether we like it or not. You know, and whether what it costs, if we if we ignore that, then what it could potentially harbor will make 9-11 be even worse. I mean, think about what happened with COVID. I mean, God forbid if they were had the intelligence or had the technology to do to, to harbor, you know, biological warfare. If yeah. anything, the world is taught that, that that's 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 the real threat. You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you um, how, how strongly do you feel about our military today? Like today? How strong do you feel about the policies we're making today with the military? Like, do you feel safer today than you did maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Tell me about how you're feeling right now with being safer today than it was 10 or 20 years ago. You know, Patrick, that's a great question. I'll share this with you. Uh, My son is currently in the Army. My my oldest son, as a matter of fact, he's he's, he's serving at Fort Campbell, the place that we serve together. So, um, you know, I have friends that are still in, and, and the perspective, you know, that I get is that you know um, the military is very dynamic, just like it should be. It's constantly changing, sometimes changing for the good, sometimes changing for the bad. And just the direction, even when I got out, you know, I got out in 2013 when I retired after 20 years, is that you know that we're trying to be, and this is you know, quote me if I'm crazy if you say that. I think we're just trying to be too you know overly sensitive. I mean, unfortunately. The military is 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 not a business. It's not a public organization. I think that's how they try to they're trying to run it today to be everyone politically correct. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I mean, I know our leaders have a tough job. You know, whether I you know I don't want to be uh, you know uh, critical of the commander in chief. You know, the best you can do is say, hey, you know, when I was in the army, you know, we're going to support him 100. percent You know, that's that's our job, especially being a leader. 
And, you know, um, it's, 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 it, honestly, I think if we don't, if we don't, um, if we don't, if we ignore that problem, it might not affect us now, but it might affect us 10 years from now. So you think another 9-11 is imminent and it just, the chances of it increased. Yeah, absolutely increased. I don't know percentage wise, but I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, look at, they, they were waiting, they were waiting in, in, in the wings for, for years for yep. us to pull out. Well, Felix, can I, can I, uh, first of all, what I'm curious about is when are you running for mayor, Senate, Congress, governor, when are you, when are you running for some kind of political stuff? <laughs> you know, it's funny, What's Patrick, uh, when I moved to Texas, when I moved to Texas, when I visit you in California yeah. and you were hinting about moving to Texas, yeah. I don't know what they put in the water here. I'll be honest with you. I absolutely love it here in Texas. Ah. People are great. Uh, I mean, just think about it. I literally live like probably 15 miles where Tesla's building a new factory. Right, where are you? You're uh, in Austin, right? If I remember, yeah, Austin, we, we Rock met Rock, in Austin. Texas, so if, yeah. So if I move for mayor, if I if I run for for political office, I think I'll start off as mayor and then work my way up. Well, uh, do your on, thing, buddy. I mean, I, I, and Felix, listen. You know, shit's going to come out. People are going to know how hard you party. <laughs> by the way, I don't. You, you can't. You can't hide that stuff because, you know, when uh, can, can I tell the people a couple stories about you? Is that okay absolutely, with you, Patrick? Absolutely. Honestly, I'll be honest. With you, I tell stories to you, my to my kids, and you know, ninety nine percent of them are positive. Uh, Let me put it I, to I this way: story. We went to spring break together, but we'll share that for another. For another. Which, which one is that? Is that is that La Vila? Is that Panama City? What yeah, I, I told them. I told them when, when you were jump, when you were doing that dance contest, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you jumped Hard in the body pool. contest. Yeah. I remember that. I, I forgot about that one until you brought it up. But we drove, and you, you remember when we that had trophies in your office? Isn't <laughs> it? What's crazy about this? By the way, that club was a legit club. Club La Vila was the whole MTV rap, all oh, that yeah. stuff that they were doing it. But we drove. This is how bad the situation was. We had a truck mm -hmm. that only fit, uh, would fit three people. Me, Bradford, and uh, Felix uh, would sit in the front, in the back. For nine hours, four people were sleeping <laughs> off the back. Wow. And we would drive. Obviously, this stuff is illegal. We don't recommend it. Yeah. Kids, please do not do this. One of these days, the Romney thing that he had, a, you know, the, <laughs> yes. that story is going to come back for us. Hell but of a bar, man. Yeah, I tell you, if the there is a guy you want to party with, it's Felix. Felix is the guy you want to party with. Felix was a guy. He would have 25 beers the night before, and he would go out, run everybody the next day at 5 o'clock huh. in the morning. Oh, I hate those That's guys. That's freaking Felix. Oh, I hate those he guys. He would run yeah. five-minute miles, six-minute miles, just piss everybody off, do all the push-ups, score perfect PT score, <laughs> and then at night we'd have 12 beers together. And by the way, Felix and I, we watch cocktails together. Felix, how many times have we watched <laughs> the movie Cocktails? The <laughs> Dude, we watched that thing probably like 100 times. We watch cocktails nonstop. And uh, there's a certain we watch. What was it? Cocktails. What was a Patrick Swayze movie you had? Roadhouse. Uh, Road, we Roadhouse. watch Roadhouse. <laughs> and there's a few movies we would watch. And hey, uh, Patrick, speaking of movies, uh, I, I want to kind of give you, uh, if you ever want, uh, I know you're doing the, your uh, your mafia yeah. with um, yeah. your mafia movie. Uh, I, I've got some good perspective of. Uh, of Goodfellas that no one's ever done before. If you ever want to sit down and do it, I'm good with the, the autopsy of Goodfellas. I'm your guy. We will. We will. I am definitely looking forward to that. One of these days, you got to come out to Florida. We'll do something together. But Felix, good to have you on, brother. Give everybody my best. You said Florida. You moved to Florida now. I'm in Florida. Right. I'm in. I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now. I don't live in Texas anymore. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. I've been here for uh, what is it now? Eight seven months. Seven months seven six months. Seven months. We've been down here, Florida. Well, I, I definitely know Anita said that she wanted to do the valuetainment tour, so we'll definitely uh, we'll come, come out, out that way to Florida we'll sometime and get the tour and get a chance to catch up. So thank you for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I wish my best for you and your family, and hopefully we'll have a chance to catch up soon, okay? Appreciate you, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye, bye-bye.
What a freaking guy, man. This guy, he was a pool hustler, sick player. Like when I took, yeah. maybe he was the best player on the entire base out of 30,000 soldiers. But we'd go to a mm-hmm. place. Here's what this guy would do. He's 5'6", 125 pounds, Felix. We'd go to a, uh, a billiard hall, a pool hall, right? He would start, and he would start, you know, talking trash to everybody. And here's what he would do. He would say, say something. Say something. Uh, and it's then, like challenge him. Challenge him, people. I dare you. Okay. I'm on the other side. He says, say something. You see that guy? That guy's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Funny. Say And he would fight everybody. Yeah. And then I'm like, Felix. Oh, and you're money. just trying to hang out, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, dude, dude, I just want to have a drink. Come say on. something. Watch what's going to happen. We're going to destroy you. And we hey, have let, let me ask you. Yeah. you when, when, uh, it's always awkward, man. Like, do do former veterans? Do you like when people like thank you for your service when they're like thank you for it's your a, service? It's a little is it, weird. Is it's it weird little, or but no? You know, but I tell you, when somebody does that, it's also it, you want to be uh, appreciated. You know, you want somebody to value. Uh, this is twenty years you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The one of the stories mm-hmm. you didn't talk about. He was in an in a Humvee when they went over an I I I don't know what it was. Felix drove. There was like an explosion, and yeah. he was in there. He yeah. saw this stuff. Wow. So. Messes with you a little bit, sure. and when you get out of it right now, he's been away from it for nearly a decade. But when you get out of it at first, it's mentally and emotionally challenging. So yeah, but it does. Uh, it's always great when people say that. It's always great when people say that. So okay, so Felix, that was great. Let's continue stories here. Uh, which one do you want to go to? Let's go to 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 Gerard's favorite story. Only fans, pounder, rose <laughs> revenue five hundred and fifty three percent during pandemic. And that's $390 million. Mm-hmm. After lockdown left consumers looking for entertainment and out-of-work performers looking for a place to provide. Report to FT. The London-based platform offers sex workers, fitness influencers, and celebrities like rapper Cardi B and Avenue to connect directly with the fans and mm-hmm. get paid via subscription services plus tips. Its users base grew from uh, uh, less than $20 million to $120 million. Over 300 creators Earned more than a million dollars in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But only NSFW mean not safe in general. Not safe for earlier, work. Yeah. Uh, not safe for work. Earlier this year, subscribers faced backlash after rapper Bad Bad B. How do you say that? Say Bad it. Baby. Bad Baby broke the OnlyFans record by making a million dollars in less than six hours after turning 18 only the week before. So yeah, that, was, that was the whole creepy thing. That that whole thing with her, Danielle Bregoli, bad baby. Like, that's a weird thing where, like, she's been hypersexualized since she was, like, 15 years old. And there was, like, a countdown for her to turn 18 and all these other things, man. But that's a whole different kid in Caboodle. Uh, you know what I? You know what I like most about the about porn, Pat. Here we go. <laughs> what, is there a long list, Gerard? Earmuffs, guys. Right. Earmuffs, kids. All right, PVD podcast uh, Instagram. Cue up your short clip. The uh, no, they they are the most innovative digital marketplace in the world. Everything in the digital marketplace yeah. follows their lead. And what you're seeing here is the future of entertainment. You're seeing personalized entertainment. You're seeing access. People are literally, they're not, you can get porn for free everywhere. They're not paying for the nudity. They're paying for the interaction. They're paying the for connection. the one, the connection. Yeah. They're paying for the time. Feeling special. Yes, this is going. This right here, mark my words. This is the future of sports. 
This is the future of the music industry. There's going to be people who are paying money to be in the dugout after a strikeout with a guy. You're gonna, you're, there's going to be a, an iPad, and I'm going to be able to curse off Mike Stan for blowing uh, my fantasy game, or I'm going to be able to be like Mike Stan. Here's five grand. I just, I just won uh, ten grand on on the game because that home run you you hit just put, just locked in the over. It's going to be one on one access. It's going to be real time. I was on tour with Catfish Cooley. One of the coolest dudes ever. National headliner sells out rooms, theaters, 500 seats, 1,200 seats. His wife has an OnlyFans account. She's very open about it. I'm not breaking any news here. She makes more money on OnlyFans than he does. He's a national headline act. He's got three and a half million followers. She makes more money on her OnlyFans than he makes as a national headliner. So the marketplace is there this is a proof of concept for access for all entertainment uh they only fans said that they want to get out of the the pornography game they want to get out of the not safe for work game i said okay yeah good luck with that, that would, let's just say they did that what would happen say they did that <laughs> they, they lose 550 through 52 percent of their their revenue you know i mean sex still sells but um listen i think it's been great for the porn industry I think it's been great for the porn industry. I, I, I used to do comedy shows with, with porn stars and stuff. That's why Pat's always, always you know joking like I did comedy shows with Lisa Ann and these other. These are decent human beings, man. They're, they're human beings. They're sex workers. This is how they've, they've, all, they've all had trauma in their life. They've overcome their trauma. We may not uh, agree with their life decisions, but they're, they're business people. They are entrepreneurs. They're hard workers. And they're fun people, man. And this allows them an opportunity to work to, to apply their craft in a safe environment where they don't have to go somewhere and, and you know be in a, in a dude look at porn the, the real problem with porn is is the porn industry right less than uh, outside of the morals like everybody can have their own you know views on the morals the industry is scaly as hell this allows these people to make incredible amounts of money and avoid all of those pitfalls now you talked about this earlier, and I'll leave this up to you because I don't have kids. I I would be very, very wary of Snapchat, of OnlyFans. If I had a 16, 17, or 18-year-old daughter, this would be like something I, I, that kept me up at night. I'd be like, absolutely not. Let me I, let me see your phone. Let me see your accounts. Like You'd have to police the hell out of that because the temptation is just too great. The temptation is just there. I mean, like you said, this girl, Danielle Bergoli, made a million dollars at 18 years old, but that's she, that's who she is for the rest of her life now, right? So I, and not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but... At the same time, it's just like, I don't know, like, go you wouldn't want that kids. for your family, go, you know? Go have a few kids. Yeah, there go you ahead, go. Um, you know, talk about a perfect storm. I don't yeah. think any company has benefited more from the pandemic than OnlyFans or whatever this, OnlyFans. Yeah. Because it's not a stock price like Tesla or don't Zoom. pretend you don't right? know. <laughs> <laughs> what is this again? The name of this company? Yeah. Um, it, it's subscribers. This is a subscription-based yeah. service, and yeah. they're growing. And by the way. Uh, now we know why no one wants to go to the office anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, here's your answer right here, because there's no such thing as NSFW, because nobody goes to the mm -hmm, office. Mm -hmm. They're at home, so this is the perfect storm for them, and, and they've captured lightning in a bottle. And, you know, they're pretty smart about how they do it, because it's not complex, and they reward the entertainers. It, it, it's 80%. They keep 80%. It's a brilliant business it's model. A 20 it's a 20% It's a brilliant fee. digital model. So this is a company that two, did $2 billion in revenue last year, which if you think about the second largest health club chain in the country— Lifetime Fitness, that's about what they do in revenue. $2 billion, you know, with 250 yeah, locations all over the country. but this is easily scalable, though. This is a business model that's scalable. Yeah, of course. Um, so 300 people became... How many of the 300 millionaires are in the porn industry, do you think? Probably 95% <laughs> of them? No, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's probably going to be less. But by, by the way, let's, let's, let's know... Uh, I, I worked in Chatsworth Valleys for a while. 
Chatsworth at one point, 80% of all the porn was produced mm -hmm. in Chatsworth, California. A lot of our members were porn stars. Late at night when I would close the Is that gym. by Van Nuys? Yeah, right by Van Nuys. Yeah. At, at midnight when I would close the gym, they would always come and say, hey, you mind if we, because we, we were the sure. only one that had an outdoor pool. It's like, you mind if we just kick it outside? And I'm like, listen, guys, kick it, fine. Anything like that, you can't because I'm going to get in trouble. So I would stay with them for an hour. But the life is not the just, – just, we're not here glorifying the life. The life, that world, to go into that world, you yeah. have to have a pretty rough life to yeah, want to go into that world. Yeah. That's not – there is issues, upbringing, family, parents, father, mother. There's a lot of issues there before yeah. you get into it. For every one story, it's like, oh, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to – you don't hear those types of no, stories. No. There's a few industries you don't hear. One, you don't hear somebody saying, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go into porn. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go into you know, uh, uh, this industry. It happens because of desperation many times, and the money can be mm -hmm. good. Now, uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, yeah. all of that stuff, Diseases. This, it's, it's, a, it's a messy industry to be a part of, but it is what it is, and there's a market for it, right? So uh, uh, can they change their model and get away with it? No. Am I surprised that they grew 553%? No. Uh, could that have been a 1,000%? Yes. 300 people making a million dollars, is that attractive to a lot of people? Yes. Mm -hmm. Could this be a model that's going to continue to grow for a long time to come? I don't think it's going to go away. Well, let me, let me ask you. Do you think Instagram would be where it is today if it wasn't for girls with uh, thongs on, on no. taking pictures every day? Or, you know, girls with, with the, the stringiest of bikinis? That, yeah. that doesn't seem to bother people morally. You're an influencer. You're yeah. a model. But then if you just take off that little piece of, of string, now all of a sudden you're immoral? Like, I, I, I have a tough time with, with that. Like, hey. you're an Instagram model, you're an influencer, Calvin Klein will give you $10,000 to do a spot, right? Chloe, Chloe Jenner can do whatever she wants. And also, I think Kim Kardashian kind of changed all this stuff. Kim Kardashian did porn to get famous. She, she all but admits it now, that, that it was the mother's idea to put out this porn tape so that she was no longer Paris Hilton's closet organizer. Now she becomes this international brand. And how many other people have done the same thing? The teen mom, this and that. It was like porn was something that, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened with Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Now it's something people do to, like, jumpstart well, their career. it puts you on the map. You know? It's nuts. It gets you attention. By the way, they don't have an app yet, right? So this is all just online. Do you think if they get an app, that makes it? You know, grow. Ah, man, that's crazy. So, uh, you're going to be sitting on the subway in New York and someone's got their phone out with their OnlyFans. It's got to get it in. Like. All right, let's go to the next story. Let's go to the next story. Let's go to Daniel Craig reveals he won't be leaving his kids any inheritance. Okay. So, Daniel Craig, who is who? He's uh, 007. He's James Bond, right? Good looking guy. Knives Rock out. star. Absolute stud of a guy. Says he will not be leaving his kids any money to his children from his inheritance. The 53-year-old James Bond star was asked about leaving his two daughters money and said, isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person, you fail? Daniel continued in his quote to Candace Magazine, I think Andrew Carnegie and American Industrials gave away what in today's money would have been $11 billion, which shows how rich he was because I'll bet he kept some of it too. He added, but I don't want to leave great sums to the next generation. I think inheritance is quite distasteful. My philosophy is get rid of it or give it away before you go. Thoughts? I'll give you, I had two thoughts and two questions when I first heard about this story. Number one, how much is Daniel Craig worth? All right, he's done five Bond movies. He's going to do one more. He's worth $160 million. So we are talking about a significant amount of money here yeah. that could be passed on. Here's my second question, and I legitimately came up with this, and it's this. How much does he hate his kids? Because he clearly does. I mean, he does. <laughs> you have to dislike your children to not want to give them part of what you've earned. And I and I will not waver from that. Now, so 
he was married in the 90s. And so he's got a child that's 29 now, a daughter. I think her name is Fiona. Okay, so he's got a daughter. With Rachel uh, Weiss? No, he's got a, ba- a young child with Rachel Weiss. Okay. Hey, kids, that's pretty solid. I mean, that's... Well, I'm going to stay with this. <laughs> okay, okay, let's, let's okay, hear Okay, so then he... He also has a stepchild that's 15. And my thought is, does that stepchild annoy you so much that you don't want to pass on some money? I don't get it. I think there has to be some rationale. By the way, he's trying to justify this quote. Isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person, you failed? No, there isn't. I've never heard that in my life. And I think you just made that up, Daniel Craig. I don't believe that is an old adage. So I think you have to get to the root of this. If you dive deep and try to figure this out on a psychological basis with Daniel Craig, I think he has a dislike for his children or one of them, and he doesn't want to give him any money. I will. I will see Daniel Craig's quotes, and I will. I will match him and raise him. A, a famous British soccer player named George Best has the greatest quote about uh, dying with money of all time. He's on his deathbed, and he had, he had spent. Uh, for people that don't know, he was he was a a British playboy and and you know he was known for lavish parties and and being a swinger and stuff like that and he's sitting there on his deathbed and he goes uh I, 90% of my money I spent on fast cars and faster women and the other 10% I wasted <laughs> <laughs> and you know what hey man it's your money do what you want with it but I will say this okay and this goes back to uh when I was coaching and I was coaching young kids and uh, I I was always fascinated by how different the kids, the wealthy kids were than their parents, especially the hardworking parents, like like dudes that were contractors and stuff like that, and masons who had really, really made a life for themselves, and then their kids were like pretty soft, man. And and I I one day I I asked him, I asked this one dude, I'm not gonna say his name, but I was like, dude, you are the toughest dude I've ever met in my life. Like you've got rock hands. Like I ask your kids to do ten push-ups and they cry. Like what happened here, man? He goes, it's my wife, dude. He's like, when you, he's like, you'll, you'll see one day if you have money, you give your kids everything you never had, and they will turn into everything you never were, and that's that's kind of uh, his his uh, you know his Mason philosophy, man. And I, look, that's not universal, but I think there's something to it. Like I think there's I don't I don't think Daniel Craig's gonna follow through with it, but I think there's something to the salvo of making his kids go, hey, you better work. I, this I'm not I'm not gonna leave you this I'm not gonna leave you this life maybe he will maybe he won't but I, that that to me is a message to his kids going you, you guys better get to it yeah you know I just pulled up right now uh, uh, an article from CNBC billionaires who said they're not leaving their kids their fortunes okay so you got Zuckerberg at the top then you have Bill Gates who said uh, it will mean they will have to find a way uh, on their own. And he says it, it's not a favor to kids to have them have huge, huge sums of wealth. Uh, it distorts anything they might do, creating their own path. Chuck Feeney, same thing. Warren Buffett, same thing. Enough money so they, will, they would feel they could do anything, but not much that they could do nothing. Michael Bloomberg, same thing. He said if you want to do something for your children and show how much you love them. The single best thing by far is to support organization that will create a better world for them and their children. So not giving them the money. Then if a couple only other there was somebody yeah. maybe in the room who had accumulated vast sums of money and had children that maybe could have an opinion yeah. on this. So from- you know you know what I would say about this? Here's <laughs> what I would say here's what I would say about this. I don't know who we had on recently, Kai. Maybe you'll remember this with your memory, where he said, uh, tell me who's uh, uh, Carnegie's uh, great 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 grandson right now that we all know about. Tell me who is it? T- tell me who is the current Vanderbilt billionaire that the money got uh, 
given to that we know about. Interesting. T- t- tell me who is the current, you know, Rockefeller that's a great, you know. Interesting. First. So tell me. Tell me the richest man's great great grandkids that still have the money. Yeah, Tell me. You ever met anybody named Medici? Yeah. So interesting. So I interviewed a guy. I don't know what his name was, but I interviewed a guy from Seattle. Do you remember his name? The guy from Seattle who was dealing with all the billionaires in Seattle, and his job was family planning. And one of the families he dealt with was uh, this big fund out of Templeton, Franklin Templeton yeah. Fund. He, the, the owner was worth $5 billion. Mark Demos. Mark Demos, right? And his job was to prevent these kids from committing suicide, becoming drug dealers, killing, becoming drug addicts, drinking alcohol, and pretty much killing themselves and wasting their lives. Because these billionaires went out there and made all the money, gave their kids everything they wanted, made their lives easy, and they screwed their whole things up. This right here takes me back to a book I read years ago by Jim Stovall called The Ultimate Gift. I don't know if you've read it or not. I probably bought a few thousand copies, and I always have my guys read it. Jim Stovall on the Mood. The whole story is about a guy named Red Stevens. He's from a very low-income family, simple guy. comes, he starts working for this one guy in Texas, apparently, I think. And the guy who he's working for dies and leaves him with his land. Well, the guy takes the land. They strike oil. Apparently, there's a bunch of oil at this place. Well, he becomes a billionaire, Red Stevens. After he becomes a billionaire, his best friend becomes his lawyer. He sits his lawyer down, and he tells his lawyer, and they record 13 videos is what he records. The one video he records is the day when he dies, okay? And that video is going to be watched by all his family members. A fascinating story. So the day comes when he dies. He's worth $2.5 billion. Everybody shows up. His wife shows up with two of his young boyfriends, okay? His kid shows up. His nephew shows up. His daughter shows up. Everybody shows up, and he plays the video. He says, well... If you're watching this video, it's because I'm dead, okay? Now, there's a few things. By the way, do you guys hear that background noise, the music? I don't know what that is. Uh, Kai, is it you? Is it the phone? Oh, it's the phone. Somebody keeps calling. I got it. So he says, uh, so, he says uh, so if you're watching this video, it's because I'm dead. Great. He says, well, let me start off by saying that my son, I love you. You're amazing. You're great. You're going to get the $620 million of uh, money under management and everything we do. He starts celebrating with his girlfriends. He said, well, here's a problem. You have no say in it. You're going to get a small interest that's going to be given to you. The money manager I trust manages the whole thing, not you. Pissed off, gets up, walks out. Honey, I love you. You're going to get our real estate portfolio worth $600 million and the young boyfriends, all this stuff. But you have no say. The janitors have more to say than you do. You just get to live there. You don't make the decisions. And he goes around everybody, and he makes these types of decisions. (laughs) At the end, he says, there's only one of you here that I have the ultimate gift for, and it's my nephew. For you, I have the ultimate gift. I don't have cars. I don't have a house. I don't have an investment portfolio. I don't have a company to give you. I have no dollar to give you, but I have the ultimate gift. You could get the ultimate gift, but it's going to take you 12 months to receive the ultimate gift. If you want the ultimate gift, come back here on Tuesday to meet with my best friend, my lawyer, and he's going to tell you what the ultimate gift is. Everybody else, you're dismissed. The nephew gets up cursing him out. I knew he was cheap. He wasn't going to do shit for me, all this other stuff. And the uncle says, he says, you were the only one I didn't do everything for, and I didn't buy everything. You're the only one I can save. Everybody else, I gave you way too much, and you don't appreciate any of it. Mm-hmm. Nephew leaves, comes back on Tuesday, and they sit down, and he goes through the ultimate gift. And the whole process about learning about hard work, learning about giving back, learning about teamwork, learning about all this other stuff. There's a portion of this message that makes sense, okay? 
But I think you as a parent can create a compensation plan for your kids. And the compensation plan can be based on bogeys you hit. What are the bogeys you hit? Well, Trump said, three things I, I want from you. No drugs, no alcohol, no tattoos. You do that, I'll back you up. Now, you may agree, you may not agree. That's his three, right? Don Jr. did some of that stuff when he was in college, but still supported him, right? You may sit there and say, well, here's what you have when you get out of high school. Like last time my kids were talking, Mario was sitting right next to me. I'm like, hey, uh, what, what are you going to do when you graduate high school? Uh, Dylan's like, I don't know, Dad. I don't know if I'm going to go to college. Why not? Tico's like, I'm going to go to college. And all of a sudden, they started bringing up boarding school because the private school they're going to, there's a boarding school component. I don't ever want to go to boarding school. Why? Because I want to live with this. How long do you want to live with me? Forever. Dylan, you want to live with me forever? I want to live with you for Dylan, you're not going to want to. I promise you're not going to want to live with me. <laughs> I want you to live with me forever. You don't yeah. want to live with me forever. He likes you the want... house, Pat. Come yeah, on. he likes the house a lot. <laughs> Moral of the story is, they said, so what are we going to do? I said, well, look, daddy's going to leave you a portion of money that you can choose to use for a couple different criterias. You decide what you want to do with this money. But if you screw it up, you don't get anything else. That's all the money you got. So you better use it wisely. I think these are times that parents don't create a set of criterias for their kids. Everything becomes about giving it to them. If you do that and you're not there, I was watching one of these roast videos yeah. where Alec Baldwin's daughter says, oh, you guys know who I am. Here's who I am. Ireland. I am the, yeah, I am the daughter of such and such man. And I got to tell you, you know him from this movie. You know him from that movie. You know him from this. But what I know him from is he showed up about to half of my birthdays over the last 30 years. Eek. Exactly. And he doesn't laugh. Yeah. Huh. And he Eek. doesn't laugh. So, so if you're the guy that makes the money and you're not there at those birthday parties and yeah. you're doing movies six yeah. months out, you're in Europe. It's a part yeah, of that that totally. you kind of screw the whole it, thing it, up. Th so. This is an indictment on these rich people, all right? It's so easy for them at the end of the road saying, I'm not going to give you anything. But where were you raising those kids? The reason you haven't heard about them is because they the, these parents ignored them forever and just gave them everything. I 100% blame them if their kids turn into train wrecks and they end up giving them all the money. And, and Daniel Craig, I stand by my statement that you just don't like your kids. I, I just... <laughs> There, there has to be a component of that in there. How would you not want to take care of your kids? All right. I don't so, get it. So what is worth? I just hope he keeps making movies, man. I just want do to do love him. I'm going to add one more thing. Pierce Brosnan was the best Bond. Was he? I think so. Better than Sean Connery? It's pretty good. I, I think so. Irish, too. Pretty good. He's good looking bad Irishman. material to work with. So, so basically, all right. So if I ever have wealth, what I'm getting out of this is that I, I, if I want my kids to have it, they need to be worthy of it. So I'm going to have to create like some sort of legend of uh the hidden temple temple of doom they have to be able to like get through certain different yes. levels of security of course and then once they prove themselves worthy yeah. of the wealth maybe tame a lion i don't know something like that is that like but you're going to tell your kids at a young age so they know what they're striving for oh, right so you know you know kind of like the whole thing where oh, you're worth 100 million dollars you die you leave each kid 25 million dollars yeah, you're doing the math right that's not going to be me yeah your boy Robert Kiyosaki, man, he he, uh, he was asked once about generational wealth, and, and it was uh, some socialists was like, well, don't you think generational wealth is it the compound interest, and it's it's one of the uh, this it's basically royalty, and yeah. he was like, uh, no, it's it, it, most wealth is gone by the third generation. There's like a third generation. That's the rule. point. Yeah, it's yeah. all gone That's by the, the third point. generation. So the the habits is what you want to pass down. I'm not worried about passing down the money. Yeah, I want to pass down the habits to you. I picked up my dad's habit of working hard. That's what I picked up. I picked up math for my mom. I picked up an analytics. That's what was passed down. My, my parents, they, they had no money. Nothing mm -hmm. was passed down to me financially. That's what I picked up. Now, here's the other part. 
say your parents are billionaires. Can you pass it down? This is the question I have. Sorry. Can you pass it down without that desperation? Your father had desperation. You had desperation. Right. So can there's you pass down desperation. Can you can't pass down desperation? You cannot pass down. Yeah, so, but, so, but so they have it's, drive no. in their DNA, no. and they you, should be fostered. You do have drive in kids. your DNA, yeah, you, but uh, for every Steph Curry, there's you know. No, no, I don't disagree with you. You cannot pass down desperation. There's got to be a part for them to. But if you become look this lady at Nordstrom's, man, like completely broke down parenting to me in thirty seconds. I'm in Nordstrom's. Dylan's on top of me. I'm in the room. I'm changing. I'm waiting for the next room to be open. It's packed. Dylan's wrestling on top of me. I'm, you know, we're always wrestling together. He always wants to wrestle me, right? He's on top of my head. And I was like, wow, you know, he got me in the chokehold. <laughs> and this lady's like, wow, you know, I remember those days. I said, what days? My son is 40 right now, but I remember when he was five. I said, really? I said, give me three tips on parenting. I always ask that question. I said, give me three tips. I'm not going to give you three, but I'll give you one. I said, what's that? He says, you know, you, when you threat your kids, that if they do something, you're going to take something away from them? I said, yes. Always keep your commitment. What a freaking advice. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah. If you tell them uh-huh. yeah. you're not going to get ice cream, don't bluff them. Yeah. Because you will lose credibility. If you tell them they're not going to get ice cream, don't give them the ice cream. Yeah. Right. That's the, one of the biggest things when you see with parenting is parents are like, but it's my daughter. Yeah. I want to do for. But it's yeah. my son. It's like, it's very true. It only yeah. took it only took one time for me to get the belt, and then I knew my father would actually yeah. give me the belt yeah. every other time. Parenting is so. very complicated. It ain't easy. And for parents out there that do their best, look, perfection is not the standard because you're gonna screw up. You just want to be able to do your best and not screw up your kids too much. Next story: Palantir bought mm. fifty million dollars in gold, ba- gold bars in August as cash pile grows. So. This is a CNBC story. While some companies such as Tesla are diversifying into Bitcoin, data analytics software company Palantir is betting on gold. Palantir bought $50 million in gold bars in August. The company disclosed in its latest earnings statement the move reflects a growing company stashing cash in an unconventional asset in response to economic uncertainty spurred by the coronavirus pandemic and government's response. Two, the price of an ounce of gold crossed $2,000 mark for the first time last year as the pandemic worsened and U.S. government stimulus efforts continued. The years, this year's investors have more loudly voiced concerns about inflation and gold is sometimes viewed as a hedge against inflation, although prices are down 7% for the year. Some investors have thought cryptocurrency might also serve that role. Thoughts? Uh, this scares the living hell out of me. Because when you say Palantir, yeah, it's really Peter Thiel, who's one of the most brilliant investors Genius. of all time. Libertarian guy, yes. right? Yes. Um, they are doing this for what they say uh, in the in the event of a black swan uh, event, a, a global catastrophe. They're also, uh, for the record, they are incredibly bullish on, on Bitcoin and crypto as well. But this is why it scares me. Because Peter Thiel is almost never wrong. He's always ahead of trend. And Palantir specifically exists for one reason. They are a predictive analytics fund that helps uh, governments and Fortune 100 companies be ready for the future. So if their predictive analytics are saying we need to stockpile resources in event of this global catastrophe, that scares the hell out of me because that's not your crazy uncle with a tinfoil hat. That's somebody that's been proven right again and again and again. Well, I will say this. I think it's, there's a companies are hoarding cash right now. We did a story yesterday on VTPost.com. The top six largest companies in the world that aren't financial firms are sitting on seven trillion in cash right now. So that there, it has to be put somewhere. And I'm just wondering: a, 
is 50 billion how much is it 50 million, million? 50 is 50 million. million really that much compared to how much cash they that's probably the question. have that's in the their right portfolio question so, to ask. 50 see, million I, in gold uh, though yeah but i think it's so just it's, another angle they put it in and but that's 50 million today though tom like that that is a set asset amount that 50 million in gold could very well be 500 million in gold sure. the same amount could appreciate. Yeah, it's true. Now, now gold is down, right? A little bit this year, seven percent. I think it's down for the year, but it's always going to have value. It's going to go up and down, and it, it won't be a bad investment. But my initial thought was, they're sitting on billions, and fifty million is just what they put into one aspect of it, and it gets a lot of publicity because it sounds like a lot. And then, where are they going to store it? I heard somewhere. Are they going to store it somewhere in the northeast? Uh, I, don't I would know, be nervous about storing gold. Yeah, if they if they tell us, David. <laughs> yeah, right. We should go. Yeah. Well, let's look know. at this, Kai. Can you find out how much cash is does Palantir sit on right now? Right there. Okay. Uh, as of March thirty first of twenty twenty one, they're sitting on two point three eight billion dollars. So two point eight three eight two point three eight billion dollars. If we do uh, uh, two point, let's do the math here. Fifty million. Divided by 2.8, uh, 2.38 billion. Let's take a look at this, what this percentage is. It's really 0.02%. It's nothing. They're just diversifying. It's not a, if it was 10%, if it was 20%, that's legit. If you're doing 0.02%, it's kind of like you got a million dollars. Like, yeah, the advisor says, I think you should put $50,000 in, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, precious metals. Okay, cool. Let's do $50,000. I think that's kind of what Tip the positioning is. I don't see it as anything more than that. Gold, quite frankly, I have gold uh, and I have crypto. And gold doesn't come anywhere near what uh, uh, crypto has done. But the purpose of buying gold is very different than the purpose of buying investment stocks or crypto it's a very different philosophy of why you buy gold 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 if we ever go gold standard what's the likelihood of us ever going back to gold standard zero it's it's like point zero 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 one percent right okay so they say well if we go back to gold standard like you know it's going to go from two thousand to half a million dollars come on now you you sound like the same guy that says bitcoin is going to go to a million by the end of the year right it's the same exact uh, 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 marketing strategy that people are using. But this is simply, I think you ought to have a small percentage of your money in gold and uh, precious metals, and that's probably what these guys are doing. I, think, I don't think it's anything more than that. Uh, next story, Elon Musk, $6.7 billion in compensation last year. Uh, let me uh, say that one more time. Elon Musk's comp last year was $6.7 billion. That's 11 times more than the second highest paid CEO. This is a business insider story. Tesla's self-styled Techening received $6.66 billion in compensation 2020, nearly 12 times. Da, 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 no pay index. Musk hasn't received his billions in cash. His compensation was comp- comprised of option awards, giving him the right to acquire Tesla shares at a set price. 2020's second highest paid executive was Mike uh, Piakos. CEO of Oak Street Health, who received $568 million. The top 10 features executives from seven different companies, and it's entirely comprised of men. Versus Good uh, RX, uh, Good Prescription Holding, Co-CEO Trevor and Douglas. They were at $497 million. A bunch of different names you see on the list. You're not going to know many of these names, by the way. But Musk, $6.66 billion. Too much money? Too little money? Or about the right number? Uh, My first reaction is, holy crap, that seems really low to me. I mean, we are talking about a guy who started the company, who runs the company, who is the face of the company. He didn't start Tesla, though. Like I said, before you interrupted <laughs> me, we're talking about a guy that runs the company, yes. that is the face of the company, yes. and that basically saved the company. Yep. Hey, look, 
it's all tied to performance. All right, they had a great year. I don't see how this is out of line at all. He took zero in cash, and people want to lump him in with the CEO overpay narrative. I think it's actually the opposite. I mean, I think he should be commended for it. He made thousands of people rich last year. The stock price went from $90 at the beginning of the year to $700. He lives in a glorified shack, right? A $50,000 little thing, prefab thing that he lives in. It's not like he's flaunting his wealth. You know, he used to take a salary. His salary was 23000 in 2019, 56000 in 2018. So I think he should be applauded. I think this is a great story where someone is tied to revenues of the company, and 6.6B sounds about right. I'm so sick of counting other people's money, man. Like, I really am. Like, I, why, what does it matter to you? Like, people somehow, they view this as, like, it's one one pie like like our economy is just one big old pizza pie and this dude's taking giant slices so none of us have anymore his his, the food he eats doesn't make you shit man like who cares like it's a great story good for him i'm a tesla shareholder it's been awesome for me man i love the guy but I, i don't care i don't care how much athletes make i don't care how much owners make i don't care how much anybody else makes it doesn't bother me it doesn't interest me dude what are you making you want that money? Go make something. What are you making, man? Like, I don't care. Like, these people are like, how dare this right. guy make this much money? I always go back to that old quote, and this is not a new thing. This was There was some activist, commie freaking journalist 100 years ago asking Babe Ruth, don't you think it's outrageous that you make you make more money than the President of the United States? And Babe Ruth, without even skipping a beat, goes, I had a better year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 100K, like, that's what yeah, he made. Uh-huh. I had a better year. You made more money than Herbert Humphrey. I had a better <laughs> year. Hoover, yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Who cares? Like, like, is he taking away from people? Is he taking yeah. away? Like, what is he doing? He's creating jobs. He's he's creating. You can't make these people happy. There's nothing you can well, they do look at it as to make these people happy. That kind of money. Hey, mm-hmm. what's is, is is he is he doing it through oil? Is he doing it through fossil fuels? He's saving the universe. He's saving the environment. He's gonna he's gonna colonize Mars. Who cares? Now the one thing I do get pissy. Okay, here you go. You want me to get pissy at Elon Musk? What the hell does he need seven billion dollars of taxpayer money for with NASA? What's he need that for? That I'll get pissy with. I'll get pissy with him and Bezos going back and forth with NASA over, oh, no, I deserve the $6 billion. No, I deserve How would you guys pay for it? Well, that is, got the it money. is a separate company, though, right, that isn't doing as well as Tesla. Sure. SpaceX, fine, whatever. You know, you, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But, look, they don't need our money. That you want me to get pissy, I'll get pissy about that. <laughs> all right? But uh, he makes his own money in the private sector? God bless, bro. Who cares? That's your position as well. You're fine with that, with him making that kind of money. I have no problem okay, with good. it. Well, listen, yeah. kudos to uh, Elon Musk. He had a killer year. And uh guy's now worth, what, a couple hundred billion? Has he had a couple hundred yet? No, or not he, yet. He's, he's, he's a, a 150. Buck 50? Yeah. What is the matter with him? Like, what's he waiting How does he for? pronounce I mean, his son's name or daughter's oh, name? What I know. was that? Xena? What was it? Oh, it's Sasha. crazy. <laughs> is yeah. it really? I'm not kidding. I think he said it was uh, pronounced Sasha. Sasha. And is he going to leave his kids like, any money? Even though it's like Z like plus Z, yeah. yeah, it's like Sasha. What, what, is, what is Elon's long-term aspiration? Do you think his long-term wants aspiration to live forever. is... You think no, that's what it is? No, I think wants people to live on Mars. I think, you that's, think that's what yeah, it is. I, I do. I think, I, the, I think the they're all. Mars. I'm telling you. I think the the elites, the global elites, right? I think the new thing is longevity. They want to live to 200, 300, 400 years old. I think they already um, automatically assume that they're going to get close to that. But I think his, I think what drives him is to get Tesla fixed so he can get out of there. 
somehow find a way to exit yeah. and just concentrate on putting people on Mars. Digital, do you, do you uh, think we're going to get to a point where people could live 200, 300 years no, or no? No, I don't think we'll see it. I mean, could it eventually what, happen? What Maybe. would you define life as? Yeah, right. What would you define Not being life? dead? <laughs> Seriously, no, but yeah. do you think we're going to get to a point? Yeah, where like it's what? Be like two, three hundred years. Well, you'd have you'd have to define life. Like if they could upload your consciousness into some, you know, uh, if they could somehow, you know, data map your consciousness and upload it into you know some sort of matrix, and you can theoretically, I know, a guy your that's soul could book about that live place. forever. Yeah. I mean, is that life? Yeah. I mean, I, we'd have to redefine what life is. You know, Musk has said in an interview that that's what he wants. Is eventually, technically, you could put your consciousness in like a computer and live forever I, I i did a, a c.s lewis you had me reading c.s lewis the other day and i saw an unbelievable c.s lewis quote and i said you you are you do not have a soul you are a soul you have a body this is just a spacesuit. this is a spacesuit, man like all we are is well, this is a this is a containment for the biosphere you. you know so you. yeah like if they if they could isolate the soul what's this what's to say i mean if you're religious you think you live forever anyway right you know, on a different you know spiritual plane but you know what? I think longevity is the goal. I really do. I think that that all, everything that they're doing uh, is for them to be able to to sustain their lifestyle well, forever. And, and I will answer this. I I do believe that we could see people living to be one fifty and above. And just look at just look at what we're already witnessing. Look at Tom Brady, who looks like he's thirty, who's playing like he's thirty two. There's no indication that he's done in one or two or three years and he's 44 years old right now mm -hmm. and before that i mean think about george blanda right he was the first nfl player to play at the age of 40 he looked like he was 63 <laughs> you know and he felt like he was 80 yeah not brady so if we're seeing this type of advancement yeah. and, and it's but we're not, we're not yeah we're not we're not working in the mines at 12 years old and smoking heaters our whole life anymore either man there I mean, is someone you know? alive today that will live to be a thousand years old okay it's extraordinary to me that it's such an inc uh, what is it incendiary incendiary claim a thousand years old, Kai. What what is this? It's a hell is of this a, a uh, uh, spoof of a site? What's what? Who is that? Independent? Someone doing it? Uh, independent? Got it. Looks like well, a Viagra commercial. All right, there you go. A thousand years. I don't know if that's going to be happening. By the way, if you're watching this, if you're watching this right now, thumbs up. Do you think? In our lifetime, we're going to see people being able to live to 300 years old. If you're watching this, yes, no, maybe. Comment below. Do you think we're going to see people getting to a number like now? Obviously, it's not going to happen in our lifetime because that means we need 200 more years for that to be taking mm -hmm, place. Mm -hmm. But do you think we're going to get to a point where people are going to live to our 300 years? Would you want to live 300 years? I think 300 is pushing it, to be honest with you. I, w I wouldn't mind like a is it, 20. Is it still like till death do us part? Do we got to do 270 <laughs> years together? That's when, or? Term limit. That's, that? when, that's when marriage becomes yeah. about term limits. That's, that's term limits. <laughs> yeah, 270 be. years. Ah. <laughs> Breaking a new generation. A <laughs> would you want to live 200 years? Would you, I, would you want to live 200 years? Yeah, I'd want to live forever, honestly. How, how many could, years do I get to like actually like, you know, be functioning, moving? You know what I mean? I can, assume all of it. Would you? Yeah. Want to live forever? <sighs> yeah, I kind of like I kind of like living. Yeah, Gerard, I mean, you can only bench press 350 at the age of 140. Would you do it? Yeah, that, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll call cool that. I'll call cool that. What do you think? Yes? No? Maybe? I don't know. I don't think uh, I don't think I'd want to live forever, for sure. Well, but I mean, maybe buck like fifty. <laughs> like that's where I'd set the why limit. Why would you want to live forever, though? But why not, Pat? Why, like, what are you busy doing something else? I can't. Like, I, I can't. I can't conceive of not living. I can't conceive. That's all I've ever known. I can't conceive of of being anything other than this consciousness. Living forever. 
Nah, I'm good. <laughs> the, like the movie, uh, uh, what, what is that one? Age of Adeline, lightning strikes you and yeah. you don't age. Yeah. You know, and you just. You well, just the Green Mile. Be- I, would tell you, I would tell you this. I would never want to live forever if the people I love couldn't live forever as well. That's what exactly what I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't. Have to watch. Yeah. You know, if it's like everybody, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Why do you think they're so concerned about population control, Pat? There's not going to be enough room for them. There's yeah, a, yeah. They're going to live for a thousand years. Yeah. The plebeians got to get I, out of the I, way. But I can see the, 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 the powerful people who have all the money in the world sitting behind closed doors trying to find a solution sure. on how they can live And, and having the ability to do it. I mean, I look at Kobe Bryant when he wanted to extend his career. Yeah. He'd go to Germany yeah. and have his blood spun. Yeah. You know, you Stem can find cells. all these yeah. technological advances you could do. And by the way, do you think Elon Musk loses credibility when he talks about going to Mars? It seems so preposterous, so impossible, and yet he continues to drive no. at the fact that he thinks it could happen. How's it? How, wait, wait. How, why is it preposterous? It's it's how a matter of time. How long would it take to get there? Two years. It's a matter of time. You got also, also think we've been year, to Mars ten years ago to have rockets that go up in the air and come down and are fine was also insane. Yeah. 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 Also, everything he said he's going to do is kind of oh, He's done it. True I, that. But what about the actual like temperature on Mars in fairness, and gravity? In fairness, Elon Musk said, <laughs> yes. I believe it was Elon Musk who said on this very channel that Giannis Antetokounmpo would never win an NBA Finals. You know what? You know what? Oh you have to bring that up. Okay, listen, you have to bring that up. You know what? You need to you need to pay closer attention to what I say. Go back. It's all documented on Valuetainment channels. What I said. Whoa, is, that was you. I thought that was Elon oh, Musk. Oh, that's right. I lost but credibility. You know I stood by that thing because I said if he continues to shoot free throws like he has. That was an anomaly. Oh, that's what it was. 17 out of 18 of the champion 18. game. Okay, so, man, I, I was actually Nostradamus. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was, it was it was an Apple contract. I didn't read it. Was, I just clicked accept. Okay, let, let's, let's wrap it up with uh, Federal's, uh, Fed's uh, Powell. There is no returning to pre-pandemic economy. Here we go again. All right, so AP News. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said Tuesday that the U.S. economy has permanently changed by the COVID pandemic and it's important that the central bank adapt to those changes. Those changes range from the increase in remote work to restaurants, offering more takeout meals to real estate agents, learning how to show homes virtually, he noted. Many companies have already made large investments in technology to adapt to the challenges that the pandemic has presented. Powell said the heavy investment by companies in new technology means that there will be more jobs in the future associated with maintaining that technology, but also potential job losses and industries focus on in-person contact. It seems a near certainty that there will be substantially more remote work going forward. That's going to change the nature of work and the way work gets done. Do you agree? No, I don't. And I think this is a a fad, a cycle that we're going through. I don't think we can sustain the fact of not going to the office. I also, you know, where's a little optimism? Where's a little hope coming from our leaders saying, hey, you know what? We're on the verge of this pandemic becoming an endemic, okay, where we're going to be able to live with it. We're not going to die. We're going to survive. I I just don't like the, the messaging. And I think eventually once we pass you know, this cycle we're going through with high inflation, yeah. and maybe we get some different leadership in there. But no, don't make broad statements like that when we just don't know. Yeah, interesting, man. Um, we kind of went through something like this already with the Industrial Revolution, where society kind of uh, sat- stratified itself into urban and agrarian, you know, and then it kind of happened again after uh, World War II when you had urban and suburban. And it's going to happen again now. There are people that are genuinely hate being around other people, that love working at home, that love wearing masks and not having any human interaction. And they, it's going to be very difficult for them to come back into society. They don't want to. They never wanted to. And then there's other people, 
like myself who I need to be around other people. I have to be in social environments. I go nuts when I'm not. And and I, I, I realized about my, that about myself in the last 18 months. I'm a very tribal guy. I need to be part of, part of a crew. And you're going to have people that are doing that. You're going to have people that are going to find environments where you have to be social and they're going to be able to find environments where they don't want to be social. But I also say, look, this is the Obama doctrine also, when they're talking about the economy, it's more than just the functionality of it. I mean, they, they tell you we're going to build back better. They've been straight up. The World Economic Forum has straight up told you, you will own nothing and be happy. And part of that 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 uh, fine print that you're talking about, what they didn't tell us is that it's because they're going to own everything. $3.5 trillion in stimulus already. The greatest theft in the history of the world. They took $3.5 trillion of the taxpayer dollars and made it their dollars. And what did we get for that? 1200 bucks, maybe. Some of us got 1200 bucks for $3.5 trillion. Then they're going to get another trillion only if we give them $3.5 trillion on top of that. So they already got $4 trillion. They're going to get $4.5 trillion. This is on top of the eight years of quantitative easing from Obama. The dollar is basically worthless compared to what it was 10 years ago. And all of that money is now their money. They figured out a way to make the entire world sick, and the way to heal everybody, it turns out, was to make all of our money their money. Brilliant. Kai, what do you think about what Powell said? I mean, I think it's interesting. Uh, it's more of a long-term effect as well, if you look at kind of how things have changed. Uh, I think it was you, Yuval Harari that said initially, we read an article back when we were still in Dallas of how a tremendous amount of change has happened in a very short amount of time, uh, and a lot of that can't necessarily be reversed. So I think there's definitely more uh, long-term effects of this, of what, what initially bounces back, and then trends or habits that have been changed indefinitely. Uh, so I think that'll kind of play a big part as well moving on as we go. But then you also have, uh, like we saw in the other article, where retail spending back to school is higher than it's been uh, the last few years. So there's kind of things that are contradicting, but I mean, we'll kind of see how things play out. As yeah, like, you know, you know, it's crazy when, when you're saying this. Okay, remember when everybody bought newspapers? How long ago was that? 15, 15 years. 15 years yeah. ago, guys. Yeah. When we bought newspapers. Remember when everybody at their house had a photo album? How long ago was that? Yeah. Landline phone? No, when's the last time we had actually photo albums yeah. at the house? Yeah, wasn't my, that long ago. My, my Not parents still do. My parents 15, still do, yeah. 15 years yeah. ago, 20 years ago, right? Nope. When's the last time we had landlines? How long ago was ago. that? 10, 12 years but ago. But by the way, if we did the percentage, like if I could pull up the data to find out how many people don't have a home phone that they use, minutes, I would love sure. to see the stats of minutes used on your home, on your home phone 20 years ago, 30 years ago, to minutes being used on. Do you, like, do you even years? have a hard line in the office? I have to have it. Is there a hard line here well, in the office? On the office? Uh, do we have a hard line phone here or no? Yeah, we do. We actually do. We, okay. we actually do. But, but if you ask me how many minutes I've spoken on my home phone, matter of fact, when is the last time you spoke on a home phone? Years. Can, I, I haven't had one in 10 years. Kai, when's the last yeah. time you spoke on a home phone? Think about that. 10 years? How about when you used to say, I have to take this call, it's long distance? Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> what about when the, the cord came yeah. out? When the extending cord came yeah. out, you could actually or take what about the call cable? into the... Like, yeah. Do you even have so, cable anymore? So, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is there's a part of what he's saying is true. Mm -hmm. Like Some industries are going to change flat out. Here's what we know. We had Sebastian Maniscalco at the event last week. I'm backstage. Him and I are having a conversation together. And I said, hey, Sebastian, how's it been for you? He says, well, I've been doing a lot of Zooms. Hmm. I said, how's it? It's very different. It's very weird. Just get up there and you're trying to make people laugh, but you need a reaction. You're not really getting it, but it is what it is. We're doing it. People want to do it. And it's just like a conversation that we have with them. What's this? 
U.S. household uh, telephone. I'd want to go 20 more years back. But that's interesting, right? They're from 2010 to 2016. Look at that shift right there. 68.2, 29.7 to 50.8, 45.9. But going back to it, some industries, you have to be around people. Are restaurants going to go out of business? No. Not, not go out of business. Are they going to be going away? No. I want to go to dinner. I want to go have a sit down, have a conversation with you, right? Is there going to be an opportunity to disrupt it? Yes. Are movie theaters going to go away? Yes, if you kind of try to do the same way we've been doing it for 20 years. So I think there's going to be a lot of disruption that takes place. But I also think some industries are going to take a hit. Like, you know, the whole story with 70% of Fortune 500 companies from 1960 are no longer around today. Yes, of course, because today I sent this uh, uh, tweet. I don't know if I uh, posted a tweet yesterday or not. Uh, where I said, things are changing so fast, Mm -hmm. the ability to adapt and be able to predict how human behavior is going to react to something in the next 12, 18 months, that's the formula. Mm -hmm. So so how how are we going to react to the COVID? If somebody could have predicted that 12, how are we going to react to this stimulus? If somebody could have known, you would have made the right investment. It's all about being able to predict it, not 100%, but if somebody can do that and make the adjustments because things are changing very, very fast today. Now, let's flip it. Are, are people going to want to be to themselves and not be around people? I can't see that happening. I, I can't see handshakes. Like, you know, when I go and I'm shaking hands now, I'm like, hey, how you doing? They do the elbow. They, they, but but you know what, we know what you see is a lot of people right now just shake hands. I'm seeing, like, especially in Florida, maybe not in California. California's like, don't even get close to me. Yeah. But people are shaking hands. <laughs> True. Hey, how you doing? I was in Indiana. I went there, and my guy comes up, you know, a driver. How you doing, sir? I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know you. You don't know him. That's cool. Shook his yeah. hands, right? So some of the stuff I think will go away. But I think a lot of the stuff that's the human interaction, yeah. I don't think How can a work. company thrive when people aren't at the office, especially big companies? I just think, sure, for a little while you can adapt and make it happen. But over the long term, I think people have to be at the office. By the way, have you guys seen the stories lately on the cottage industry that's popped up lately with people working from home? It's people holding two or three full-time jobs and not letting the other companies know about it, having separate computers. I mean, this is a big thing. There's a big online forum where people share ideas and, and how they're getting away with it. Did we talk about that or no? We haven't talked about it on the – add it to the story next time. Yeah, there are people that are doing multiple full-time, full-time jobs. Full-time jobs, and yeah. that's why they want to stay working yeah. at home and then how they're dividing their time and making sure the work don't get, I don't know You know no why way. it's not going to work long-term? How long can you run a uh, – how long can a con man keep con? Yeah, double people? life, man. Yeah, you, you just can't, can't do, do it. it. Just, there, there's, a, there's a time One loss. little thing will trip you up. And then Eventually. House of Cards When's falls. your next podcast, Valuetainment Sports? Tell us uh, about okay, it. Okay, so Valuetainment Sports, if you get a chance, check it out. We launched this new channel. We're doing it today. Gerard's on with me today. Always a great guest. Jeff Deutsch is going to be on with me. Nice. And, and you know what, Pat? We do topics that – the Valuetainment audience loves. I mean, it's not stats and nitty-gritty sports stuff. It's gambling. It's sports business. Today we're talking about jerseys in the NHL going to have ads, right? We're talking about Jay-Z opening up his own sports book, right? We're talking about fighting. Have you noticed how many fights there are with fans in the stands right now? And they're violent. I mean, what is causing this? So it's a great conversation. We're going to expand right. to this channel. Was that the Raider game? Which one yeah. was no, that it? Was the Rams. Rams. That was the Rams. That dude was a beast. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, um, you guys don't care about each other, you two fans. It's like the Charger fans don't yeah. even exist but someone threw a beer and it was the on lady, yeah. yeah she threw a she beer and she's on tape too yeah. so if you get a chance go to valuetainment sports subscribe and you'll get our episodes and we're gonna be adding a lot more content to it and is adam doing a sauce talks money today or no what time is sauce talks money four o'clock sauce cast 4 p.m sauce cast 4 p.m 
Having said that, gang, we are not doing podcasts next week, but others will be, episodes will be coming out. But we will do the podcast two weeks from now on Tuesday. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.